when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Friday, August 20th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 338. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, Rob Zachney. Good morning. Patrick Klepek. I'm here. It's me. And also a five-month-old is on the other side of the room. She's staring at the ceiling of her carrier. She was trying to suck her thumb, but she's being chill. So um, if there's a moment in the podcast where Austin and Rob are like, Patrick, we can't hear you. It's because I've muted my mic and then forgot to unmute it. So (laughs) that happened before the pod, which is, I feel like, just a sign of the future. Yep. Uh, as, As Confucius says. Study the past if you would define the future. Wow. Confucius do be saying that. Also joining <laughs> us, you heard the laughter of Ricardo Contreras. Hi. Hi. You ever get to a point where coffee doesn't do anything anymore? You just drink more Yeah, coffee. it's around 4 p.m. And then, <laughs> and then I drink a Diet Coke instead. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. But, what about, but a mini one. What about we have the, the mini morning? Ones. You ever have that happen in the morning when you get up and you're like, coffee is what That's I usually do? That's a bad do. sign. Yeah, no, it was... And are just you, stop playing Valorant right? at 1.30 in the morning. Ah, well, there's your problem right there. <laughs> Gets me all jittery. I can't that get to sleep. Let me, let me tell you the best way to start the day. Huh. Um, just go downstairs. You throw on your boots. You put on your vest. And you take your dog for a long walk. And it's just that easy. All your wow. dog stuff already preloaded in that vest and you just walk the dog it gets you right out the door you have time for coffee no but what you do have is 50 degree uh late summer morning air forgot that uh, rob has a tactical vest for his dog stuff so fucking funny i love it let me tell you this morning i uh i opened up one of the magazine pouches (laughs) and the uh the doggy bag holder uh, was empty, God so I had to open up the other uh, the other magazine pouch and basically slide in a f- fresh clip of uh, <laughs> turd bags uh, to to go with my walk. Um, Fuck. It was it was it was like a Michael Mann film, really. I see. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, like I was like I was like Val Kilmer uh, yeah. ducking uh-huh. behind that car, and he and just like doing a picture perfect uh, magazine replacement on that AR. Kind of. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Patrick. Let's stay on this vest. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. It, this, well, not. No, I don't want to say it now. If the joke's not good enough, like the stop. And like the podcast, and then utter it. I refuse to acknowledge. No, now I have no. to. No, nope. Now we have to evaluate if that's true. Or not. Uh, I say it's, it's like the control ultimate edition of vest, which is just going to be a pivot point. <laughs> there we are. We're like- in it. Woo, Patrick. Uh. Segway. Good segue. Uh, okay, uh, poo bags, uh, vests, um, yeah. control, control. What about it? It controls your dog. 
Uh, and you have to finish the segue. You have to segue to the thing. I thought the vest. Oh, were you the, usually do the segues. The All right, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the space. They'll th- you know, finally, thank you. Um, four years in, <laughs> get that seg under my belt. Put that, you put on, my that on your sheet. resume. What's my project code for the, <laughs> the segue? The segue timesheet. God. Uh, yeah. This uh, this morning, five oh five games uh, seemed maybe at gunpoint to put out a, a blog from from Remedy um, that was trying to explain why uh, Control, um, which is a game that has their its second and I think final major DLC coming out uh, in like a week next week. Um, that's the crossover with Alan Wake. Um, but is getting an ultimate edition later this year um, that will be uh, a upgraded version for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Um, that upgrade path is not like a patch that just comes with people who have bought the game previously. There's no upgrade path. It's not for the season pass holders. It's basically just either buy this $60 game um, for the upgraded next-gen-ness of control um, or don't get it at all. I mean, it's backwards compatible, but... Um, and there was a big uproar over that because Microsoft's made a big stink about their um, smart delivery system of just you buy the game and you get the upgrade. Um, and this is a game that sort of kind of went, you know, not every game is getting that, but Control is like, we are doing an upgrade. You're just going to pay for it. And that rubbed people uh, a lot of the, uh, the wrong way. Um, maybe, as we pointed out in the last podcast, not entirely for the right reasons because it probably had more to do with 505 than it was with Remedy, you know, uh, uh, like looking for another bag of money because that game didn't, by all accounts, didn't have many bags of money. Um, and then this blog ch- seeks to clarify it by just making things more muddled. Um, it's worth reading for the corporate speak, but they try to walk through the different scenarios. Is like, well, it? huh? Is the corporate is speak worth it? No. <laughs> worth your time reading yeah no, go ahead what is it well what does it's say, it, it just just to see just to watch a tortured explanation <laughs> like i'm not saying it's worth it in the sense uh-huh. like you'll get anything out of it but okay. i mean like do you want to see like a a tortured explanation of uh the the, the summation being we we the difference <laughs> you want to rubberneck this blog post basically yeah. <laughs> and they, they basically said we couldn't satisfy everyone so we decided the best thing to do was to satisfy absolutely no one um <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it seems like they didn't plan for next gen. And what they've built is a separate skew. The ultimate edition is not just a patch for control. They just like they built a different game. And it's not as easy to just drop that as a patch. I'm not going to pretend that's just a wave a wand and like that goes to the original game. Um, and so it just seems like 505, the way they planned the next gen transition for control or decided, you know, however their business plan for this was, have put them in a position where they can't offer something easy and instead have just yeah. like i don't know like going into the alan wake dlc i think people were feeling pretty fucking good about mm-hmm. remedy and then this is just like <clears throat> an unnecessary step in the dog shit because you forgot to fill the clip in the vest and you ran out of the <laughs> You're bags to clean up now. the dog turns You're going back to the other <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's just it's, too, it's yeah it's, I'm with it's you. weird i'm with you i'm well, with you and well and it go ahead rob did you have something go ahead. yeah well i was just gonna say i think Here's where I will defend 505. Um, Some of this is being made more awkward because Microsoft especially has made a big selling point of like smart delivery, uh, you know, automatic upgrades for all your games. It just happens. Yeah, it's part of them selling their system. And a lot of the games they're making that promise about are games that they own, right? That That are their properties or they are 
games produced by major publishers who I assume can just eat the costs of doing a port, do, doing what is effectively a port, uh, and just not care about it because it's it's so much cheaper than any of the annoying publicity and making it easy for people to feel like, hey, if you buy this on any platform, we don't care where you buy it, just buy the fucking game. And when you get the new hardware, it'll roll over automatically. But it isn't, my assumption is, this next generation Switch, it's not like um, you've put a new video card in your PC and it's just like, now just now just create the nicer looking control, right? It's, they are moving to different systems with different architecture and that's not, that's not a straightforward upgrade uh, from the development standpoint would, would be my assumption. Uh, otherwise, well, you, would, you would just roll over additions. This is the thing that I'm curious about because one of the notes in the Control Ultimate Edition blog post here, excuse me, the Control Ultimate Edition blog post here is that uh, if you do play your original base game through backwards compatibility on your PS from your PS4 or your Xbox One, uh, you'll simply play 100% of your game and enjoy an enhanced experience through backwards compatibility because we know that there is in on both consoles some sort of enhanced you know, backwards compatibility mode. There is, there is like, oh, hey, listen, there, there will be better resolution or better frame rate or whatever it's going to look like. I'm very curious what that just looks like for the Xbox One slash Xbox One X version of Control compared the, to... The, the, the base PS4 version can't be any, like, those right, base level Xbox and PS4 <laughs> yes. versions sounded like they were borderline unplayable. Totally. Um, and, like, and what so... This, what <laughs> I expected this FAQ to give me would be... Okay, but what's the difference going to be? And they'd be like ray tracing, or like here's the thing. That Look makes- at all the work we've done that is beyond exactly. just yeah. Um, well, I think part of, part of, part of it's undone by the fact that to do, <laughs> to make that demonstration would be like, look at this not great looking version of the game, yeah. and then here's what we've done. And it's all, it's also undercut by the what essentially the ultimate edition, whatever meaningful upgrades they're doing with the console version is just catching up to what the PC version can yes. already do. Like the True. When I was asking Rob, I was like, hey, I'm requesting codes for the Alan Wake expansion. You know, do you, I, I thought you were playing on Xbox. Then you, I don't know, maybe you were on PC. I can't remember what you were doing. I think I took my break when that happened. He's like, oh, no, I got that new video card. Played through the whole goddamn thing again on, on PC um, because it's got all the um, the RTX stuff. And I assume that'll right. be, you know, the lighting will be like one of the primary upgrades on, on, on the console. And I'll tell you, it's one of those quintessential. Here's the weird thing. I played it on one X. So I assume I played like what a nice backwards compatibility version would look like. Right. Or maybe even something not quite as good as their enhanced backwards compatibility. And it was fun. It was great. Right. Like it looked really, really good. It is a good looking game on PC. Yes. It begins to approach like absurd levels of <laughs> lighting and texture detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of your quintessential like, oof, like you're really you really need to like you'll be staring at really similar images really intensely trying to see like, OK, what Im- what improved? And my suspicion is the ultimate edition will leave you in a similar place where like, you know, in some shots you'd be like, damn, that scene looks like so much better lit than my back. Yeah, the red version. lighting, right? The red lighting yeah. is going to look amazing. 
it's I I have some sympathy because my suspicion is it's a pain in the ass to be developing this uh, enhanced edition for what will be pretty marginal gains. Yeah, totally. and people are getting pissed because they're like, I should get those upgrades, and maybe, but the upgrades are also going to be really minimal. Like if you, I'm if very you curious. It, I'm super curious what um what the turnaround they expected was because the other thing about this this FAQ is that it reads as if they were always writing a check that they thought they weren't going to have to cash for a little bit longer. It reads like, listen, we decided, we thought about this a long time ago. Uh, I mean, what they actually say is, we spent several months exploring all of our launch options. No decision was taken lightly. Uh, every avenue we pursued, there was some form of blocker, and those blockers meant that at least one group of players ended up being left out of the upgrade for various reasons. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's like partner deals in terms of like we could do it just on Xbox or just on PS. Or there, there, or whatever. I, um, I don't know the exact details, so I don't want to like get tripped up on exactly the mechan the mechanisms. But like there, yeah. there have been other games that are dealing with like similar situations like this that have found found ways of like changing the digital code that is assigned to players that have purchased it digitally so like they can right, do some carryover so right. like like or is there a world where they made an announcement and they said you know as of today we are no longer you know selling the season i don't like season pass or anyone that bought a season pass before a certain date um can can like apply to like imagine a world where and this is a pain in the ass but like i'm just trying to imagine different scenarios where they find some way to, yeah, to get yeah because yeah. they, they probably crunch the numbers and know not that many people are actually going to engage with it relative to the amount of people that are upset over it because it's always about what the potential of what you could do not what you are actually going to do not to say people wouldn't play control on their ps5 but it, it seems more along the lines of when when you buy a new video card what's everyone's favorite thing to do yeah. is like load up a game you've seen before see it look nice and shiny and new and there would be appeal there in control um relative to like there are just millions out there waiting to play control again but with you know <laughs> well RTX yeah well the on, audience on they're PS5. actually trying to look for here is hey do you remember that podcast we did a couple weeks ago where i was like all right so i have my caesar salad and i come back to the <laughs> xbox uh series x what am i playing on it they want the version of me who's never touched control before going I guess there's this game Control. I heard good things about that last generation. That's who they're looking for, right? Is yep. like people who buy a new console and need something to play on it. Mm -hmm. That's especially the, during a the like and that the yes. launch uh, lineup is going to be pretty sparse on for both platforms. Um, I was uh, talking to someone fairly recently, pretty keyed in on some of the PS5 stuff, and was like, yeah. On fire, just everything on fire, which is not an indictment of Sony Allegedly. or um, it, it's really just that's just how launches go. It's yeah. it's always like this. And so, um, you know, when we just saw Deathloop, a game that was just shown off is like, this is coming to PS5 this year. It's like, actually, what about next summer? A couple yeah. of weeks later, which yeah. just goes to show how much things are are changing <sighs> um, and the just pace in time that they're changing three, maybe next year. Yeah. Oh, you know, okay. well, just for time for the women gamers to to rise up. Oh, my explain. fucking God. Ah, uh, we can't get we cannot get into nope, Twitter. We can't. Discourse. Do it. We can't. <laughs> we can't do um, it. There's some other news this week that we should just hit out the gate. Sure. Uh, I love that we had a, what I think was a, a really nuanced and fair debate <laughs> about Epic and Apple. Uh, yep. And then Apple immediately made it so that it, like just took the made the worst decision they could make in terms of both outcome and optics, uh, which What's up, Rob? Rob, come. I for mean, them. it's it's a bold decision. 
Uh-huh. Like this, uh, it was a statement making decision. It, it truly was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the, the, the change that happened that. after our podcast uh, on uh, Monday was that Apple announced that they were, um, I guess, as of this uh, recording, it'll be a little over a week from now. I believe that the twenty eighth of August is what um, Apple had reportedly told Epic was that in response to Epic's, you know, provocations, basically uh, that they were going to eliminate sort of like the developer. Certificates and developer, I guess certificates is the wrong word because I think if they eliminate their developer certificates, it would actually like break Fortnite from existing device, yeah. which they can do. They have like I think they've done it like once with a like a piece of almost like malware, but they it's it's something that Apple like rarely does, um, even for apps that they ban or, or take down from the App Store. Um, but Epic's no longer going to be able to update uh, Fortnite, uh, publish apps on the App Store, and they'll be they'll be cut off from essentially delivering updated tools to. Um, Unreal Engine for iOS and and the Mac. Um, and that granted, in the grand scheme of things, the amount of developers who use Unreal Engine on iOS and the Mac are are pretty small relative to where that stuff is used elsewhere. But it, in terms of escalation on Apple's part, it is essentially them gunning for prior pre Fortnite was the primary business model yeah. of Epic Games as a result of a, a decision that Epic made regarding their new business model, which is Fortnite. Um, alongside their engine technology. Um, and uh, the update to that, we didn't publish a blog on this because uh, it just didn't seem notable enough to, to, to write down, but is worth mentioning here. Apple essentially put out a statement that is what they've done with other developers who have sort of like blatantly infringed in the past, which is like, look, let's change your app back. And this all, right. this can goes, all, be over. all goes away. Um, right. You can stop no. hitting yourself anytime. You won't believe how much this didn't happen. Um, Uh, and so that's where we stand right now. Epic has not indicated that they are going to change, uh, their, their policy. Apple has, at this point, I do not expect Apple to offer any sort of like special deal. Like they're not going to do so at gunpoint. And, and once they got poked in the eye, it's just not, if that ever was a possibility, it's not a possibility anymore. And I think they are now looking, um, to sort Uh of like put Epic in their place over this current situation. And then they're happy. This now $2 trillion company, as was announced, you know, yesterday or the uh-huh. day before in which they've made an entire trillion dollar evaluate, like additional evaluation on the company during the pandemic, which I get it. Everyone's at home buying computers by phones. I get it. I get it. But yeah. boy, that's completely it's fucked. fucked. It's fucked. Though, uh, everything well, else going on. Um, and it, but it's, you know, th- this is a situation where I think they're happy to let the legal process and the regulatory process play or not play out and you know because the cards are technically in apple's favor um uh there in terms of history and precedent uh and that's like a longer term play than it is right now dealing with giving epic a deal and then potentially having a lot of other developers say oh yeah me too right it's an interesting so the thing that interests me here is that by going after the developer account and effectively saying that uh unreal on uh, Mac devices would would cease working. It does kind of seem like Apple's position is we like the courts we got. We think we would win across the board on all these counts, and this would pretty much lock in. Now it'd be legally sanctioned. Their practices right. with the App Store would now be specifically like blessed by the courts, and even harder to challenge down the road, right? Because now you'd have like precedent. explicit precedent yeah. for the way a marketplace like the App Store uh, works. 
but it does also kind of feel that by sort of opening a second front at the developer account and targeting a different line of business uh, for Epic, it also does seem like like Apple may like the courts they've got, but also you are now playing. It seems like you'd be legally playing with higher stakes, uh, right? Where now we've expanded the uh, scope of this dispute beyond payments within the Apple store yeah. to broader access to Apple platforms uh, and the way Apple controls those platforms. And so it's an, it's just an interesting move because I think as a pure dispute over the payment system within the app store, uh, it was it was going to hinge on some obscure arguments about what is the nature of the fee that Apple charges uh, via the app store. By expanding it uh, to developer accounts, though, it does kind of seem now like you're inviting a broader legal scrutiny of your business practices. Again, they're probably it feels like they're very confident that this would yeah. go their way based on the precedents that exist. On the other hand, what if it doesn't? Right? It, doesn't? It, is, it is one of those things where I you wonder, pick a bigger fight. To one degree, though, I wonder if they're ready to lose that part of the fight. The part of the fight that says you can't block people from using Unreal Engine who have no relation to to uh, Epic outside of their licensing of the Unreal Engine. I wonder if they're like, yeah, of course, that might not hold up. But for this time period, we're showing what we can throw around with our weight and how and and how this is maybe not what you think of as a pro developer, you know, uh, uh, you know, crusade that you're that you're launching against us and blah, blah, blah. Not that I buy that, but that that is some of the internal thinking, uh, you know, presumably. Um, we'll see. I, I mean, I'm so curious about what the what the rate at which any of this resolves is, um, uh, you know, in terms of how quickly any of these lawsuits uh, are, are heard and, and you know, how long, even just how long and, and how interesting any of the findings will be ar- around digging into these companies and, and their relationship. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, uh, anything else? Well, well, you know what? That sounds like a lot of fun work for, uh, I, I had shared this tweet privately to, <laughs> to, to Austin and Rob. I, I wrote an article yesterday about uh, uh, Manifold Garden, the puzzle game. Um, in, in which the, uh, I asked if the designer was any good at puzzle games. They're like, no, I, I built a puzzle game because I'm bad at them and I wanted to make a puzzle game that I could play. And so then I wrote a follow up tweet that was like, you know, game designers, please out, please out yourself if you are bad at the games that you make or the genre that you make them in, which is a lot of, (laughs) a lot of people, it turns out. And actually a bunch of designers then pointed out, like, actually they think that's kind of intrinsic to understanding a genre is not being particularly good at it because you kind of work yourself right. from the outside in. Maybe not universal, but it's interesting. And then one of the people that responded was, was like, oh, t- next week is my first week at Epic Games as their in- uh, internal senior counsel, and I have not played a round of Fortnite. And I was like, oh. I love it. Well, have uh, <laughs> that's a good – have what fun. You come. What a time to join Epic Games. And they followed up this morning and said they played three matches, so good for them. Maybe okay. someone at Epic was so, like, "Hey, go play, go play a round of Fortnite, please." You should play Fortnite a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, the other big thing that happened this week uh, was the Nintendo Indie World. You know, I guess they're not direct technically, but they're like you know live streams that show off some indie games uh, that are coming out to Nintendo Switch. And in this case, I guess direct direct implies that it's going to be like Nintendo first party will Nintendo play first some party. sort of yeah, significant yeah, yeah. role. Exactly. Whereas this is not this is all their indie partner stuff. 
Um, uh, I love these streams. I think this stream specifically, like the format. I've this made, one was a good. This was a good one. I've been good ones, this, and then this might be the best one. They. I don't even. I don't even necessarily. I'm not like bowled away by the games themselves. Like some of these games are not for me, but the format was so enjoyable for me to watch because the the setup basically was you got your like. 60 to 90 second trailer, or I guess 30 to 90 second trailer that was just like gameplay and music and vibe and traditional whatever. And you got like your minute with a developer who was like, hey, my name is this. This is my company or this is the company I'm with. Here's what what made us want to make a game like this. Here's the vibe. And then you got another minute with the like hosts of the Nintendo indie world being like, here are the verbs of this game. Here are the things you'll do in this game. Here's gameplay th that I'm going to describe that lets you know what the game you just saw is. Um, and contrasted uh, to all of the next gen presentations yes. we've seen so far, which is just the complete opposite of that, is like <laughs> here is a tone piece. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I like a tone piece. Is it an piece. engine? Well, what's your definition of <laughs> an engine? Right. Um, and, you know, and no. Absent it being uh, a sequel where you could make some presumptions, like no understanding of how it's going to play or work or when it's coming out. Whereas like this indies thing was like, you know what? Fuck release dates. Like, yeah. Just like load up that eShop now. Yeah, a lot and, like, of this is just get today. Yeah, here like today. four, here like today. four or five, today. six games that all all came out at the well, and it's funny uh, at the same time. I think we'd heard privately that like two things are going to come out that are just out. They're just going to drop right away. And then I was like, no, there's like six things. That's pretty incredible. Well, yeah, um, like I I had talked to someone that was like, oh, yeah, this Nintendo indie thing is happening. Um, and, uh, you know, I've heard a couple of games are going to they call Shadow Drop, which is, you know, where it just it, it, it goes live as soon as the presentation is up. And then I was like, oh, it's probably just like like some developers talk to some developers and it's like, yo, where are we shadow dropping? And then it <laughs> turns out like there's just a lot um, more of those, which is like it. I, it works on me even yeah. for games that I am not all that interested. I'm like, that's just exciting. Like that it game's is. out right now. Game's like, out right now. Um, so yeah, some stuff that, some stuff that got shown off uh, included um, Raji, uh, which is a, a game uh, about Hindu mythology de uh, developed by an, an Indian studio, which looks I just dope. downloaded that. I haven't, that I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. It's pretty I'm good. I haven't, I haven't gotten it. a chance yeah. to, to check it I out it's yet. It's some performance issues on switch, which not shocking, but it's coming surprising. to PC. Um, and PS4 sometime later this year, but I've heard it's like kind of a, uh, Prince of Persia esque. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that, it looks cool. Uh, a short hike, a game that, that you got into some oh, hot water oh, about the, the, because the, of your, hey, your headline. Oh, fuck off. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I liked it too much. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that is, that is a game. Like there are, there are lots of games I've, you know, that, uh, the, di for more distance you get from it, you go, ah, shit. Like I didn't like that nearly as much as I thought I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas a short hike is like oh, okay. exponentially the other direction. Okay. Like, yeah. I was like, I think damn, back. why would you weigh in <laughs> on no, this no, so no, harshly? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, th I think back to a short hike and it's one of those where it's like, sometimes it'd be funny. I thought about doing this feature where it's like, I wish I could like rewrite my game of the year list from the year before. It's yeah. like, I've sat with this list for a year. I was here's wrong. how I actually feel yeah. about it. And you only work with the 10 games you have. And it's just like, Ooh. this is how these games have sat with me. Let you me know, 12 slide months. some stuff around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think like an interesting exercise because I often find that I have complete and like a short hike would just like. That's a good. <laughs> like, let me tell you, that's a good end of decade. Year, I, yeah, end of decade. Not yeah, that we. Yeah. I mean, we, 2020 is technically the end of a decade if you count it that way. That's how people count it sometimes. Anyway, uh, Manifold Gardens, the game that you just mentioned, the developer having not been a great puzzle game player. Uh, also out today or yesterday on Switch or two days ago on Switch, I guess, by the time you hear this. Yeah, right? and everything else, too. It came out on 
PC and Apple Arcade, and, and now okay. it's on everything, nice. including Switch. Yeah, uh, another Apple cool. Arcade game that I liked and talked about on this podcast a little while ago, uh, Takeshi and Hiroshi, uh, an excellent little like um, RPG where you're you're designing the the like you're designing what the uh, enemy fights your are little brother, little brother. Right? Yeah, you have a little yeah. brother. You're a big brother. You have a laptop. You're making a game. Your little brother's like, I want to play your game. And you're like, it is not ready to play. But I guess what I can do is just like put you in it and then build out the fights as you go through it. And there's kind of a balance between making the fights difficult, but not so difficult that that he loses, but not so easy that they're boring. Uh, and that's really fun. I'm glad that that's getting a wider release because like I, I think a lot of stuff that's going to Apple Arcade right now is maybe not finding the audience that they deserve. Um, <laughs> so, you know, whatever. Uh a game called Evergate, um, which I don't remember what this is. What was Evergate? Evergate. I don't know. It was a platformer. Uh, yeah, no. it's just a very um, cute looking platformer. Um, coming also came out, and then uh, I saved I saved the one that I've actually put a lot of time into for last year. Spiritfarer came out uh, uh, this week. Also, Spiritfarer yeah. I think first debuted last year at a at like Nintendo E three um, uh, right. event. That seems that seems right, and that is a God, how do you even describe it? Um, it's like a 2D side-scrolling farming and management game. Um, mm. it's, it's, it has a real real sharp look, very hand-animated. You know, uh, all of the, the movement has a lot of frames of animation to communicate a lot of fluidity and a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of, like, whimsy in the way it moves. Like, I, I, I think this game I almost certainly showed up in the Wholesome, dire or the wholesome Direct did. a few yeah, uh, months ago. But also, it's just a very whimsical game, which I think is a different thing than Wholesome. Uh, and it's interesting saying that because it's a game about ushering people to their final obliteration and death. Uh, I or I guess say, whatever comes next. Whimsy is not the word I would use. I would use, like, optimistic melancholy. I don't know. Like, because you know there's an it, end. I don't know. I think it moves whimsically is what I'm saying. Sure, I think the sure. animation and the visual totally. design is all whimsical in the face of right. um, what it's about, which so you're playing a character um, uh, named Stella who has taken over the role of Sharon. Is that am I pronouncing that right? OK, good. Thank I God. So. I like thought about it real hard. <laughs> I was like, wait, how is this pronounced? Uh, who who, of course, ushers people. Uh, you know, through uh, across across the the across the river Styx. Uh, I guess in this case, it's a sea more than a river. Um, uh, and it's an ocean, uh, not a lake. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, finally, the Alan Wake crossover we've always wanted: Spirit Fair <laughs> and Alan Wake. Um, and uh, you you are basically exploring this ocean, going from island to island, meeting people who are in this sort of like limbo like afterlife. Um, uh, in between states with some unresolved, uh, you know, um, feelings uh, about their their mortal lives. Some of them are people you know in a way that's like, hmm, is something happening here that I don't understand? Is there mm -hmm. some sort of was there some sort of terrible car wreck with me and all of the people I knew in it? Um, <laughs> you don't really get a lot about yourself out the gate. You kind of figure out more about yourself as you meet people, um, and so you're exploring by uh, piloting this boat around. Uh, the the this ocean area going to these different islands and as you're doing that you're gaining resources some of some of which come from stuff that you grow on your ship you know stuff like uh like like you know if you're growing tea leaves and then you can take those tea leaves and turn them into hot tea or you can which I didn't mean there's not like a there's no like 
you know, gossip mini game in this game. I'm not, it's not being metaphorical. Excellent uh, tea time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's also not that you do give tea, you do give gifts to people for sure. Um, uh, and and as you travel, what you do is you kind of get residents to come onto your ship and work through their shit until they're ready to move on and go through like the Great Gate of Oblivion or whatever the hell it's called. Um, uh, the there's like some really interesting visual design stuff around the characters. You know, everyone in the world when you first meet them is this kind of just um, robed figure who who they're all like different size and shapes, but they don't have any individual personality or individual like character design until you get them to open up a little bit uh, and come back to your ship about whatever whatever they're dealing with. At which point they become anthropomorphic animals, of course. So I guess this one person's a mushroom person. So I guess that I haven't met that person yet. They're in the trailer, <laughs> though. Um, and and so it's a very weird game design. Um, it's not weird in the sense that it's bad, but it's weird in the sense that what I expected was something that felt a little bit more like Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley, that I would wake up in the game, do my chores, then and spend the rest of the day doing like adventure stuff. But everything is just kind of low-key happening all the time. Mm. Um, you have a garden and a farm, or early on you have a garden and a farm, and eventually you start adding more and more kind of workstations to your ship, which you place in a sort of Tetris, in, uh, inventory Tetris type, type thing, except instead of having an inventory, I mean, you also have an inventory, but instead of this thing being just an inventory, it's buildings with weird shapes. So it's like, oh, the forge is this shape. And so you got to fit that in and then try to fit someone's house in over here and then fit the kitchen in. And maybe you want two kitchens so you can cook two things at once or two stacks of things at once. Um, uh, and all along the way, you're getting these requests from people that are like, hey, can we go to this island? Because I heard I had a loved one who was there. Oh, can we go visit my old house? Or, um, hey, can you build me, can you build me a medicine cabinet out of these, out of crystals? I really need, I really need a crystal med medicine cabinet. Um, and, it, you know, I think that some of the, I'll be honest, I think the first three hours I spent with this game, maybe even four hours, I was kind of having a, a down, a downer of a time with it. The fl I never caught the right rhythm with the game. Mm -hmm. um, the I, I always just felt like there was always something to be working on, and none of it was really clicking with me. Now that I'm like six or seven hours in, there's enough happening at all times that I feel engaged. There's always something for me to be doing. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to you know turn wood into coal so that I can then take the coal and bring it up and, and turn iron ore into iron ingot so that I can uh, go upgrade this building. Or uh, I'm trying to get you know. And meanwhile, my boat is is going across this big world map to get from point A to point B. I'm going to go go land on the giant turtle because I have some I have some trees growing on the giant turtle that I need to get the wood from. And that stuff is all has started scratching an itch for me in a way that it hadn't for those first like four, maybe even maybe even five hours. I it's really only been the last couple of hours of play that things started going. What I can't know if it works or not yet is the story stuff because through seven hours of play, something like that, I haven't delivered anyone to like the afterworld yet everyone is still just kind of like working through their shit um and the stories of them working through their stuff is fine but none of it's really hitting me that hard uh as an example there's a character who is like a cool snake person um and uh her i, I believe i believe she uses she her pronouns um uh her like thing that she's struggling with seems to be a sort of metaphor for depression or some other sort of life lifelong you know chronic trauma or chronic 
mental illness or or mental you know struggle uh, that is that is personified in a big dragon that exists in the world. Um, and I just had like a little a little story beat where she teaches me how to meditate and talks about how her father tried to confront his version of the dragon more head on and violently, and that didn't work. And so she's trying to be mindful in this different way and blah blah blah. And like that stuff is is working, but it's not knocking it out the park for me in a way that's like especially memorable. Um, uh, and I, I think that that maybe it will come together as I get to know these characters more and more, but it can be very easy to see these characters just kind of slip into trope is the wrong word, but archetype is probably more, more generous, but also at the same time, there's a degree to which it's like, okay, I get what this character is now. This is the love Lauren X. This is the depressed snake lady, <laughs> you know, classic <laughs> character tropes. Um, but like that, they, they're right now that I haven't seen much like very strong differentiation i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep plucking at it because i'm again i hit this point last night where i was like oh this is actually i'm having i'm having a good time with this is um, it just a two on the noseness like when you're talking about that i'm like uh-huh. i'm thinking of pyre which i think also deals uh-huh. with characters who are clearly like there's who they are and how they yeah, present yeah. and then there's the thing that is going on beneath the surface Dude, that pyre like, fucking uncover. slaps so hard yeah i'm yeah you're you, the, the fact that you brought that up i think really clicked a lot of this into place for me that pyre is such a good example of character writing where maybe at some point on a whiteboard or an excel spreadsheet someone said and this person's problem is that they have a rough relationship with their sibling and this person's problem you know what i mean but then in the process of writing that character all of that, all of the people you interact with in the world of Pyre come alive in a way that feels complex uh, and feels like if you scratched at their surface, you would find it was you'd be able to keep scratching away and finding more and more depth there. Um, I haven't hit that yet here, and I think part of that is the structure of the game. Um, you know, in Pyre, you're constantly one. You're constantly not spending time with people. There's always that sense that you're missing an opportunity to like go dig into someone's backstory because you have literally to you have to say goodbye to someone. You have to before, say goodbye to them yeah. often. Yeah. And in fact, that structure literally of that game, right, is you every rotation you're saying goodbye to someone, right? So there's already a direct comparison to Spiritfarer in some way. These are games about sending people on to something else. Um, uh, different things, presumably. I don't think I don't think that you're sending them on those same to the same end that that uh, you do in Pyre, um, which I don't want to spoil because if you haven't played Pyre, please go play Pyre. Uh, but there is um, th- th- there is that same sense, and, and yet you're you're everything feels linear is the wrong word, but there's a degree to which because your progression is so straightforward in Spiritfarer, uh, it just hasn't it hasn't it doesn't have that same feeling of like. All right, you've woken up in Stardew Valley or Harvest Moon or uh, or you know another another similar game. What do you want to do today? What's the thing you want to prioritize? Because you're eventually, it feels like you're eventually going to prioritize everything. You're just going to it's just the order in which you're going down the list, um, right. and that's not a detriment. It's just not the game I thought it would be. Also, here's the thing that worked maybe the best for me. You had a double jump, and then last night I got a float. And Ooh. there were some like platformy things and some Metroidvania y things of like I went back to the mine and realized now that I have the ability to float, I can catch an updraft inside of this quarry and go to the top and get some extra different minerals. And that's gonna scratch an itch no matter what. I go back to this mm-hmm. town and I'll have a double jump, I can get to a different area. And it just it what I'll say is they made a 2D game that moving around feels really good in. Yeah. Like I they they re- they must have realized very early if we're going to do a 2D side scrolling version of this. 
especially where you're building your boat into like weird shapes with like giant towers and buildings all on different parts of the boat. It needs to be fun to jump around there and climb and stuff. And it is. And and they got that part extremely right. And so that also, I think, helped me last night. Part of it clicking into place is just like, oh, wow, cool. I love I do love I do love to explore a cavern and jump around and get rewarded for poking around at things. There's a point at which <laughs> I climbed to the top of a mountain. Climbed, there was a little, there was a little like ladder up to a patio area, and I climbed up to that, and there was like a, you know, like a, a pair of of chairs and a table. And I climbed up to that, and I'm like, what, what am I doing up here? And I guess I'm on the top of the mountain. Let me just jump off and hold right and float as far as I can. And I floated for. 30 seconds to the right. So I'm going down this whole mountain. And because I did that, I landed on a little island you can't reach any other way that I didn't even see before that had like two treasure chests. I'm like, all right, they understand what they, they understand that I'm going to do this and I should be rewarded right. for poking around at the game. That makes me feel better about a lot of what might be coming because I can see now the hooks for an ability to go up a zip line and ability to do this and that. That stuff, that stuff, I think is going to be continue to feel rewarding because just the core me- mechanics of moving around feel good. So that's Spirit Fair. That's out now uh, on Switch, and I think also on on PC and, and other places. Yeah, I, I've been playing it on PC, so, so yeah. it'd be fucked up if they yeah. only launched it on Switch, but gave me a PC review code. So no, that embargo uh, yeah, was it is. yesterday or two days ago, a couple days ago. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, then there's some other stuff there that's like not coming out for a little while. Uh, there's a Hypnospace. Um, release on on Switch, and they announced some extra stuff, right? And keyboard and mouse support, weirdly. On Switch? On That's funny. Switch. That's very funny. Um, Should let me uh, I forget what the bonus stuff is, but that'll be later this month, I think. I want to use keyboard and mouse on Splatoon. Just yeah. like people. <laughs> Just fucking own it's, people. If it's possible, let me do it, Nintendo. Um, I think of the other stuff, the thing that, that stood out the most was Card Shark. Uh, yeah, yeah that game that? looks great. That game looks cool as shit. Um, that is by the team who made Reigns, the the kind of kingdom management mobile game. Um, but despite having the word card in the name, is not that game. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a game about being a, a card sheet in, I want to say, 18th century France. Um, and Sounds has just right. a really sharp... Uh, in, you know, kind of water. I don't know if it's watercolory. I don't know my my art terms well enough. I guess it isn't watercolory now that I'm looking at it. Um, uh, but like a sharp hand drawn design, uh, uh, and it looks like you're learning how to cheat at cards and getting shot or getting people around you shot, depending on how things go. <laughs> uh, as people believe that other people might be cheating, um, that looks pretty good. So, anything else stand out for people of like upcoming stuff or well, future one stuff? Hades. Oh, Hades. Also, oh, right. There hello, was that dope hello, Hades. Hello, Elizabeth. I don't know how much this is going to get picked up on the microphone. Okay. Um, she's <laughs> eating her toe. Uh, Hades, which is going 1.0 this fall, and I've been putting it off and putting it off because I like to yeah. wait for the 1.0. And this one, I didn't even like, hey, I'm going to check it out and see if I like it. Like, I know I'm going to like it. Uh-huh. And even though I've been hit or miss on the action elements of Supergiant stuff, I play all their games. Like, I wish Pyre would just be a visual novel. Like, the sports part of it was, like, my (laughs) least favorite part about it. But I loved it. So I loved the characters of the world. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely worth pushing through, even if that part doesn't click for you. Yeah. Um, And so Hades, it sounds like they're they're lining up the 1.0, if not day of, like, really close. Because that's what they were communicating on on social media. was like, yeah, the Switch version is lining up with our exit from early access. So that makes me excited. Because if I was going to play that anywhere, like, I'd love to be able to play that on Switch. And also the fact that I can play it. It's not like I'm going to be able to uh, 
track progression between both. They're going to do something like the original Sin Studio, um, uh, uh, Larian did oh. um, with Divinity, where you're going to be able to uh, split progress between. Um, it's like unclear to me. I'd have to go back and look if it's like, is that in real time where I can just jump between PC and Switch, or is this a, a situation where I got to like you know pick one or the like if I started on PC I can bring it to Switch right, because right. the setup I have in my house is like I'm often walk have a Switch in a different part of the house but i also have my apple tv connected to my big tv upstairs where i steam link uh stream games from my uh pc so i'd love the ability to you know, like well it's you know everyone's at sleep i, I want to sit and play hades <laughs> on on the big tv um but either way i'm just excited to to play play that and uh what was oh and grindstone i wanted to grindstone. shout out yeah uh one of my favorite games from last year um in line with like three or four different apple arcade games that are coming to switch uh, grindstone was yet another one of those yeah well patrick um, it's been great having you on uh <laughs> we hear a baby well let's uh we'll work our way towards a break and then uh i'll evaluate where i'm at oh okay, it sounds good uh uh two other quick shout outs uh uh she dreams she dr- she dreams elsewhere she dreams excuse me where is that yeah also I don't know how that's happening. I don't like it. Is this a bit? I think this is a bit. I think we've got we've stumbled into a bit. Okay, someone is controlling that. Is that Kato? It's Kato. <laughs> it has to be Kato. Yes. I'm Untitled sorry. Goose Game also. Two keys. Got two geese. This is true. <laughs> Untitled Goose Game, two geese. Untitled Geese Game. I think people have said it. Yeah. But I'll say it too. Untitled Geese Game. Does that have a date? They're adding they're adding multiplayer. They're adding local multiplayer to Untitled Goose game. Uh coming soon, I think was the thing. So no, I don't believe it has a date. But okay, it looks great. the September twenty third. Sorry, I lied. No matchmaking. September twenty third. Greedy devs, lazy devs. Um, <laughs> uh, the thing I did want to shout out was She Dreams Elsewhere, which is a game Kato and I have spoken about before. Yeah. Kind of really cool looking RPG. Uh early twenty twenty one for that. So that's you know also struggling. That game Patrick and I played the demo of <laughs> oh, right. on the last save. Super point. excited. That's look for that on a month. stream at some point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Please, please look up that stream if you've missed us playing that game. Woof. <laughs> All right. We're gonna we're gonna take the break. I feel like the goose yelling at me made me more want to take a break <laughs> than the baby yelling at me. So maybe I gotta rethink. Maybe started being quiet after the you know, she can't hear the goose. Maybe she can feel, she the, feel goose the goose through the you gotta feel the goose within sometimes. Anyway, let's take a break, and when we come back, we can we can figure out what the hell the rest of this podcast is. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we're back. Hello. Patrick's gone. Patrick went to go take care of a baby, I guess. <laughs> Small child. Small child. 
Um, I have one other game I want to shout out that is that is coming out soonish. Um, kind of like the the release date kind of snuck up on me here. Um, there's a game coming out called Star Renegades uh, that'll be out. I think on I think on Steam and on console, but I don't quite remember if that's if that's true. I should double check it. I've been playing it on PC. Um, uh, it yeah. is Steam says September eighth. Yeah, that's that's correct. I just can't remember if it's coming to other platforms or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, PS4, or if it a PS4 is, trailer, I don't know. doesn't seem to have a date. On it. Yeah, who knows when. Um, so that's a game that I think has shown up at a couple of events. I think we played it originally at a PAX two years ago. I mean, it would <laughs> have to be at this point, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but more than just a year ago, more than like PAX West 2019, I think. It may have been, maybe it was PAX East 2019, but I think it may have even been before that. Um, and here's what I knew about it going in. I knew it was a really pretty looking pixel art, um, uh, RPG. Uh, I thought maybe it was a roguelike, but I wasn't 100% sure what that, if it was. Um, uh, I knew that there was some sort of interesting combat stuff for my demo, but I, I, but it didn't feel like it was, I remember being like, okay, this is basically an RPG with some, some you know slight differences uh, in terms of the the way the way like the turn order went or something but I, I nothing was like really distinctive about about what that was at the time when i played it um it was basically that really pretty pixel art like rpg that is set in space very sci-fi very like big battle armor um stuff uh the demo that i played the preview build that i played um really sold me on this game uh and it sold me partially because of the a couple of new features but also just because the core like combat design has some really clever stuff going on Uh, and i have to be very like clear on how i describe this because if i'm not i know it's going to be frustrating to hear me just talk about the way jrpg combat goes (laughs) here's the gist at the top of the screen is a timeline right um, I guess I will start with this. It has a lot of stuff that you know from other JRPGs. It has like weapon, it has like damage uh, uh, affinity type stuff, right? Where it's like, oh, this character is weak to lasers. This character is strong against AOE attacks, right? There was this, this enemy type, right? Stuff like that. On the top of the screen, there is a timeline. Um, and on that timeline is where everyone in this given turn is going to go when you hit the go button. Uh, your characters and their characters. Your characters go, everybody goes depending on what type of attack they're doing, what type of action they're taking. So defense means you go first. Right away, you put your your hands up, you put up your shield, and you get that damage reduction or whatever. Uh, If you're doing a big wind-up swing, like a heavy attack of some kind, that's going to go towards the end of the timeline. If you go before the enemy goes, you crit the enemy, and that gives your attack a little bonus. And depending on the attack, the attack has the bonus pre-written into it. So let's say you have an attack that does 20 damage. It also has a little box on it that says, hey, and if you do this to an enemy before they get to go, maybe it also does an extra 10 damage and it pushes the enemy back on the timeline by 15 units. Mm. Uh, If you're able to shove the enemy off the timeline, they don't get to go that round. (laughs) Every enemy also has a a little counter on them that says, how many times can you push them before they like put their feet down and don't move on the timeline anymore? Uh, and that sticks around for a full round after you've hit that limit. 
Um, and so that means let's say you take let's say that number is two and you hit them twice to push them off the off the timeline. Well, next round they're going to act no matter what. You're not going to be able to push them at all. Um, and that happens whether or not you don't get to decide if you push them or not. If you attack them before they go, you're doing whatever that push is. Uh, and so you have you you have this thing of like, all right, I have three characters. I'm fighting three characters. I really want to push their big bruiser off the the side this this round, so I don't have to get hit by this big super attack. But I also want my weakest character to do their big AOE attack. But that's going to cost me one of the pushes that I do on this big bruiser. But okay, wait a second. If I move him down the the line a little bit, I can do a heavier attack. Because that means I don't. He's going to be further down the line, so I can do that, and it kind of cascades in this really fun mm. way of putting the puzzle of every turn of combat together. So that was already like, oh, this is good. Like yeah. this, this, this scratches a lot of my brain in a good way. Because on top of all of that, you're going, okay, this character is strong against heavy attacks. This character is weak against lasers or whatever. Just that um, part of it really sounds like uh it would scratch a similar itch to like uh into the breach in some way of the idea of like positioning but it's like a different type of positioning but it's like a that different sort of, but but it's the same thing of like or it's like it's like you want to stack like the spire the, the stack the, the 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 ways that your different characters are doing things so that it, the the whole turn ends up coming out the way you want it right like totally yeah. totally so that's already one then the second thing that hit me was like oh this game has the, you know, in Darkest Dungeon where there's like uh, uh, you sit at campfires and and like restore your health and buff each other. This game has that. But on top of just having it, it also has with your with your your player characters, um, a like relationship bar that fills up as you give each other buffs. And that unlocks that unlocks permanent buffs to each other and also eventually team up attacks. And this is a game with permadeath, which means you're absolutely going to get people up to level three friendship or whatever, and then lose one of them. And that's going to sting in exactly the way you know I love. (laughs) Um, And then finally, the thing that was like, wait a second, wait a second, are they doing this? Wait wait a second, is this a this? Uh, The throne room is where you can view details in the Imperium hierarchy and all currently known leaders, behemoths, and adversaries. From time to time, you'll be brought (laughs) here to witness events such as deaths, promotions, and introductions within the Imperium. You can also access the Imperium throne room directly from the main menu. This is the Nemesis system. They They, actually did it. Someone fucking finally, someone finally did it. Uh, And so some characters also just straight up have things that are like, hey, I'm immune to counters. Hey, uh, I'm. If you do this, I get enraged. It seems like a very simple version of this this um, system. You know, they all do have like different voices, not literal voices, but writing. They're they're they they're written to have different voices, um, uh, different like you know personalities basically, um, and that is pretty cool. And also, my understanding is I haven't lost to one of these yet, but it, it's similar to to Shadow of Mordor or Shadow of the other one, Shadow of. What is the other one called? What's the sequel called? Shadow of War. Shadow, Shadow of War is right. Okay, Shadow Wardor. of War. Uh, yeah, right. Because Shadow of War door, obviously, um, where if they beat you, they go off and develop new, you know, new skills or whatever. Um, and so suddenly, I'm like, oh, there's enough here that it's not just the pretty game anymore. It, there's like stuff happening that I'm now invested in seeing if it if it lands over the course of a full campaign. Um, 
the you know narrative just is there is a imperium and it's conquering dimensions and you're jumping from dimension to dimension in order to like stop them before they conquer everything and this is like the this is the packaging of the roguelike element of this game is uh-oh well we lost this dimension let's move on which is literally <laughs> into the breach right yeah yeah uh now that i think that's like a timeline thing and into the breach but this is a, a very similar thing um and i'm i'm not yet sure how it works in terms of like where is progress kept what is what is you know run to run progress look like uh the the demo that i played i didn't get to the point if it's in there i didn't i didn't i never died in this demo and that's probably you know that's just because i'm so good at this game um uh so i'm curious but like it it definitely went up in my ooh, this is out in a few weeks i am now pretty excited about this Mm -hmm. from what had been just kind of like a, a loose curiosity i'm happy to poke at this in a couple of weeks um so that's out on september 8th which is in just a few weeks uh so looking forward to that um do y'all want to talk about anything before we go into emails y'all been playing anything else rob i know you've been continuing to poke at troy yeah but i don't want to like we talked about it uh on through the head this week mm-hmm. if there's more i want to give it a week and see some other stuff right because okay. like, that makes sense i have i have a hot take about that game that Ooh. like a few other classicists will care about and nobody else will uh, so i gotta <laughs> save that for when patrick's around yes also rob <laughs> uh i'm i'm did you talk about other side on this podcast or only on three moves ahead only on three moves ahead people should go listen to that um, episode yeah give, give people no, the pitch on that episode really quick around what this game is and why they okay, should go listen so other to side it. uh astro johnson wrote a review of it uh for yeah. us uh other side is a tactics game where you are battling like the forces of despair and darkness and su- the suffering is the is the term of art in the game yeah uh and you are basically leading squads of the daughters of the all mother uh in this Let's like all go. black and white uh like monochromatic uh like battlefield and you basically are going from dimension to dimension and like engaging uh these like eldritchy monsters um in settings that are kind of a mishmash of different like things and objects from different completely different time areas right so parts of it'll look like rain drenched streets of like uh 19th century london uh other parts of it will look modern some older some just are like in this underworldy limbo uh zone but it is entirely about managing timelines uh, so everything your characters do basically uses up action points and action points like the action points you have banked determine where you go in the timeline. And so the entire thing becomes about uh, figuring out order of play and how you want to manipulate that time zone, that, that, that timeline uh, to your advantage. So to give you an example of like, one of like the core trade-offs is if you run one of your soldiers batteries all the way down, use up all their action points, you enter what's called burst mode and they begin like, it's kind of their final, like leaving it all on the field. Uh, They get some extra movement, some extra attacks, some extra abilities, but the, then it exhausts them. And the next time around, they will be the last people to go. And so the, other side will basically have free reign of the map, at least as far as that character goes, uh, and you'll be a sitting duck. And so a big part of it is about 
like knowing when you want to make your moves, but also you do have like a lot of reprisal postures. So you can like sort of hedge and say, oh. I'm not going to burn through a lot of AP. I'm going to put this person in a return fire posture. Uh, and that will have an area of effect where like literally you have a character who can like the minute somebody tries to attack one of their squad mates, uh, she pulls out a pistol and like, I think can literally shoot down even projectiles in midair. It's wild. Um, it's cool as hell. But the thing is, of course, if that doesn't happen, you've kind of wasted the move. Right. And so there's a lot of like that trying to anticipate the crucial point here though, is that it is deterministic. Like what the other, what the enemies will do is not a mystery. They have pretty clear cut like behaviors and your job is to learn them and basically like read what, like read the map. What is the problem before you? What are the moves the enemy is almost certainly going to undertake? And then what is the optimal way to anticipate and plan around that? Right. Um, it's nightmarishly hard. It's uh-huh. last thing I'll I'll add here. It is a uh, sort of roguelike game. It is a run based game. Um, basically, your daughters will die and they'll go to the graveyard. And you have the option of like resurrecting them. Uh, you have to pay. There's a bunch of different types of currency, but every time you resurrect them, they come back more fucked up and it gets more like follow the house of Usher okay. uh, type characters coming back from beyond. Uh, the other element of this is the only way to heal characters from damage they've suffered during battle is to sacrifice other characters in your roster who have like a, of a similar level. And so, like, you are kind of, like, you are summoning your daughters into existence uh, from, like, this wellspring of, like, magical energy. But then also, to get everyone readied up for the next fight, you have to, like, murder some of them and get and get your squad back up to strength. Uh, maybe the All-Mother is the bad one. Have we maybe. thought about that? Who could yeah, say? Yeah, it's, uh, yes. Who, like, truly, who is driving the suffering in this world? But, yeah, it's, mm. uh... It's tough as hell. Um, um, I think you also, would really the thing like that it. you haven't fully emphasized is how much looking at this game makes you think, in what way is this connected to Lacuna Coil? I, I need to understand, where where does Nightwish <laughs> enter in, into this process? It has the biggest evanescence energy I've ever seen in a video game. Uh, that is, yes, that is, uh, Astrid's review is really well worth reading, because she is completely vibing with what this game is putting down, but it yeah. is, like, you have to be signed on for that. You yes, have to uh, be like, that is the vibe. Yeah, like, just dripping gothic emo energy. You need to be there for that because yes. otherwise you might be like, this is kind of corny. And yes, yes it mm. is. But is it also kind of cool? Also, yeah. yes. Let yourself indulge. Uh, I mean, you the just... name of the game is Other Side. Side yeah. spelled C-I-D-E. Yeah, not like, <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's like killing Great album the other. Name. It's an incredible album name. <laughs> It just reminds uh, me of Broken Side. I don't want to go down that road. No, no, we don't need to go down that road. We do not. Um, all right, Kato, do you have anything you want to shout out before we get to emails? Because we got some emails. Uh, no, no, I've only really touched on Spirit Fair for a very little time, and I need to put more hours into it. I uh, played Slay of the Spire again. That game's still good. That game's still Turns good. Out that the, game's still fucking good. The starting character I had a lot of trouble with the first time I played that game, and... 
immediately jump to the silent, which you unlock after playing one uh, of the, uh, uh, what is it, Ironclad? Or, yeah. Yeah, Ironclad's right there. And then I, yeah. I never looked back. Uh, and then I got it on PC because yeah, it was great. super... I got it on PC because it was super cheap, and I was just like, "Oh, I've, that that'd be great to have it somewhere else. I can now like put it in another window if I need to, like, while I'm doing other stuff on my PC." Yeah. And I played uh, now, knowing like having played so much time as the 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 silent, going back to this one, like knowing Slay the Stars kind of general flow has made me realize that I actually like the Ironclad a lot more than I thought I did. Like awesome. I hopped off so quickly because it was like it felt. Uh, like I, I wasn't really clicking with it the first time around, but that was also because it was my first time playing Say the Sawyer at all when I was sure. playing it on Switch. Sure, so. uh, that's nice. fun. That game's still great. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, let me tell you, we got some emails in about about restaurant rivalries. We even got some in oh, about shit. more bad corporate emails. We'll see how many we get through. If you <laughs> if you have notes on either of these things or questions, you can send them to gaming at vice dot com. First one comes in from Janie, who says. Heard your request from uh, request for restaurant rivalry stories and thought of this one from my hometown. A franchise of this trendy acai bowl chain opened up downtown and immediately became wildly popular. A few months later, following their rapid success, the store moved a few doors down to a larger location. Shortly after, a different off-brand acai bowl place opened up in the original location. The new place was apparently owned and operated by the disgruntled former manager of the original store. Demand was not enough to sustain two separate overpriced fruit bowl places on the exact same block, so both closed down within the year. My theory is this was the old manager's plan all along, but I have no evidence to back this up. (laughs) I love the idea of the bitter old fruit bowl manager being like, I'm going to end fruit bowls in this town once and for all. (laughs) This is how I win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, um, uh, this one is uh, this one. I like this person combined our emails, our, our oh, email really? requests. We said, we said, send us bad boss emails, and then also, can we deal with? Uh, uh, can we talk about rival restaurants? Uh, and and this person wrote in, uh, restaurant boss stories. <laughs> I used to work at a local Mexican restaurant that had been open since the 70s. The owner was a very strange guy. He owned a Ferrari and a couple of Ducati motorcycles, but was so Mm. cheap that he wouldn't pay anyone to do maintenance on the restaurant. He would do it all himself. The classic boss story. Uh, (laughs) It was always fairly leaky, but at one point it was bad enough to have a six-inch sheet of water coming down the wall in a thunderstorm. I never actually went to the owner's house, but I heard stories. It was apparently a replica of the house from Gone with the Wind. <laughs> he was at least in his fifties, but uh, he was at least in his fifties, but didn't have a stove, just a microwave and a fridge. Apparently, the house was more or less empty. Really weird guy. I ended up getting fired from there because I was giving food to a previous employee. All things considered, I would still eat there, though. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> this place does not sound sanitary to me. Have either That's of you a ever lot worked? of water to be flooding in on the regular. Yeah. It's a lot of water. Uh, have you either of you ever worked at a place where there's just like a nightmare boss uh, in in like a retail or food service uh, situation? Oh, yeah. uh, like I mean, I, maybe I should ask. Have you ever worked at a place where there wasn't a nightmare boss in a in a food service oh or retail boy. situation? Yeah, Ooh. once. Okay, that's good. I got lucky with my coffee coffee life experience okay. in, high, in high school. I worked for. Uh, um, a pair of gay men who uh, opened their own coffee shop in uh, Lake Worth, Florida. Uh, oh, yeah. They were great. 
unfortunately, the location they had had very little foot traffic. I did a lot of nothing during those days. Uh, and they went out of business in like three years, which was unfortunate. That sucks. But they were well, nice people. <laughs> always happens to the nice ones first. Yeah. Rob, it sounded like you had like a particularly terrible. No, I mean, yeah. Uh, so I worked at this uh, liquor store. I, I told the story ages ago on uh, Idol Weekend, um, but I'll just revisit it quickly here. Uh, I worked at this place where. I worked at this, it was a large liquor store and it was inherited, right? So the, the guy running it had inherited it from his dad, uh, along with just boatloads of uh, unprocessed trauma uh, that I sympathize with, but also he had used as the hard like core of just being a colossal piece of shit. Um, and after a point, you know, you, you start reaching the conclusion it's like maybe your family didn't like you because you suck. Uh, maybe like maybe you rejected uh-huh. from the nest because you're awful, oh. uh, and people pick that up. Uh, but his whole deal was like, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a great businessman because look at the successful uh, business I run. I sell cheap beer uh, to people who like beer, uh, <laughs> and I inherited that. I'm a genius. But after a time, he started to feel like. Am I a genius? Uh, Like, how do I put my mark on this? So he got really into wine. He was like, no, no, no. hmm. Yes. The thing that pays the bills is misleading advertisements in local papers about sales of the tall boys of Coors. Um, Yes, that is how I get most of my foot traffic. But I'm going to get really into wine. I'm going to be a wine guy. I'm going to pay for like sommelier uh, classes and shit. I'm going to every year go to the wine country of some part of the world and uh, check that out and get really into wine. Uh, And then after a a little while with that, he reached inclusion. He needed to open a uh, French restaurant. Uh, And I think literally like on the sign was like um, such and such as haute cuisine. Uh, And that was his uh, this was his this was his baby. And so that kicked off a series of problems, uh, one of which is he had no business running a restaurant. It's a, t- it's a tough business. Um, he didn't know anything about it, nor did he, like, have any sense of, like, what good food was, right? Uh-huh. Like, no matter what, like, any way you sliced it, this dude was a guy from, like, uh, you know, central eastern Wisconsin, right? Like, there's only... There's only so much of the world he'd seen. Like he'd, he'd see, he journeyed widely, but he hadn't broadened him at all. I see right? what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing he became like really hell bent on was he just started obsessing over margins at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he started to like the, the mark, like people, I, I became friendly with the cooks, which is why I knew what happens in the story was going to happen. I became aware of the fact that the entire uh, cleaning staff were heavily disgruntled and were planning a walkout. Um, And they were like, yeah, uh, fuck this guy. We're not going to be here uh, on the weekend. Like he's pulled too much shit. And he did pull shit all the time. He's one of those guys who'd love to like try to dock you pay uh, for just like minor shit. And believe me, you're you're being paid minimum wage in yeah. Wisconsin, right? Like, it's not like you have a lot of pay to give up. But he just loves to, like, make you come into his office and, like, beg him to 
take back, you know, like to undock the pay basically yeah. and like let you off the hook. So the entire staff hit the point that they were like, you know what? Come Friday, uh, which is the busiest night of the week. We're just not showing up. Um, fuck that guy. Wow. And so they didn't show up. And I just sort of waited the entire day for it to dawn on him that nobody was coming. And he starts calling the phones. Wow. You know, hey, where are you? And he realizes nobody's uh, nobody's coming. And so uh, he is like, does anyone here know how to cook? And I sort of knew how to cook, but like not much. <laughs> um, but that put me near the front of the line uh, for salvaging the shift. And so it turned into a situation where uh -oh. like that very day I had to start prepping the soup for the weekend. Uh -huh. um, and then I was going to have to work the shift uh, in the, in the restaurant uh, doing prep. And he was like, we're just gonna, we're gonna um, change the menu. Of course, like we'll just say, uh, you know, it's a special menu uh, tonight. Uh, it's a steak night. At the at, the, at, at mm. uh, such and such as oak cuisine uh, restaurant <laughs> review or whatever, and uh, also um, we need the charcuterie plate. Uh, so run across into the liquor store, and you know the the bags of cheese curds uh, we've got by the checkout. Grab those. Uh, we're having charcuterie tonight, baby. Um, also, he didn't know about food storage, so a lot of the cheese curds had moldered. No, uh, because he stacked them. And if you stack cheese curds, mm. the ones in the center aren't at food safe temperature. No. Um, and so, like, you're pulling them out and I'm like, ooh, this doesn't look good. Uh, also, they were aged cheese curds, which is impossible. Like, that is the, not the nature of the curd. Um, <laughs> so, run over there, start prepping this thing the entire day. Like, I literally had to run to the library and grab Anthony Bourdain's uh, Leal cookbook because I was like, where do I get like French <laughs> food that like can just be like banged out all day? Yeah. Uh, Leal seemed like a decent, you know, like he was always very non-romantic about that place. It was a big, fancy French bistro, but like they did volume. That was their business. Mm -hmm. So I start like pulling recipes from that. Uh, and I'm like, look, we're making a mushroom soup. We're making a cream mushroom soup. This is within my capacity. Um I ran to the this place called Bella's uh, that was run by this ex Johnsonville uh, meats butcher. And I always think about this guy and he breaks my heart a little bit because his dream was to create like an Italian uh, grocer. Mm. And he was doing this in Wisconsin. Mm. And nobody <laughs> wanted mm. the things he was trying to bring oh. to them. Like... He, I'm trying to give you the world here. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to show you. And uh -huh. the other thing is, I didn't realize at the time, but he clearly referred to things like the reason he's really glad to be out of Johnsonville is because like working at Johnsonville was like a traumatizing experience. Like mm. working at large animal processing centers is like dire fucking work. And there's yeah. a reason that like meatpacking companies made it a crime to record what's hap what happens inside these facilities. Uh-huh. Uh, this dude was like, this is my ticket out. Like, I'm just gonna, like, I'm just gonna share with people my love of, uh, fine Italian cheeses, pasta, <laughs> uh, -huh. uh yeah. charcuterie. The good things. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Like this guy introduced me to Rapini and I'd never seen it before in my right. life. And right. he was like, no, you yeah. gotta have a Ricchietta and, uh, Rapini. And. A real, if you like, build it, they will come model. 
Yeah. And they did. They didn't. Oh. Yeah. But I oh. walk in there Kevin and Costner like, alone in a in a baseball field. <laughs> so I walk in there and I lay out the problem for him. And he's like, okay, so how long do you have before shift the before the weekend shift starts? Uh and I was like, I got about like 18 hours. Like we're having this conversation outside his place before uh-huh. it opens. And he was like, okay. Um so what are you looking for here? And I was like, I need to make stock. Uh, and he was like, I don't have enough stock for you, but I do have these marrow bones. Do you want like, so I'm taking garbage bags full of marrow oh bones out of this place <laughs> at like pre-dawn hours and dragging them Christ. back to this restaurant and starting the stock making process. Um, then I hand the receipts off to my boss and this is where I start to know I'm fucked. I hand my receipts over for like all the mushroom, mm, all the mushrooms yeah. I bought, which is the like stuff ton. you need. Yeah. He <laughs> looks at not, it uh-huh. and he was like, so he does some quick math and he's like, this is going to be like a buck 50 a bowl. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's too much. Cause I only charge, I only charge like four bucks a bowl, like my margins. And I didn't realize at the time, this is already an insane margin, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a good margin yeah. in terms of, like, $1.50 per bowl to make this thing. He's charging, like, north of four. He's not doing badly. He is, no, like, no. he's making bank on fucking soup. Yeah. And he's like, no, I need it to be more like 29 cents a bowl. That's and I talked to the bartender later that night, and he was like, "The only way you're getting that margin is if you're serving fucking Campbell's." I like say. he was like, yeah. "That's because all the staff there Bulk knew what Campbell's. was up. Everyone yeah. knew, yeah. like everyone was a restaurant pro, and so like everyone on the front of house side, like I was treated like an adopted puppy from that day <laughs> forward because like everyone saw that I was basically back there trying to like keep this shit on the rails for a shift." While actively being sabotaged by this dude. So, uh, yeah, we we rush it. Um, the soup was the soup was good. Like, I got to be honest, going from zero in the morning to like a finished <laughs> uh, like uh, cream of mushroom soup that was like fucking delicious. Like a good one. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. it was, it was good times. Like it was really cool. And uh, I should shout out here that my partner like helped me like do a lot of the prep that day. So we're both in there. Like mm-hmm. extra labor came in for this <laughs> while we tried to make this happen. God. Um. So then during the shift, the other thing I learned about my boss, who was like, I'm going to be the grill man. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do final platings. Uh-huh. Is... He had a little trouble where he couldn't help but like take little nibbles mm-hmm. of people's food. Like, he's just, so. he's just making sure it tastes right, Rob. He's just giving a little final, the final. So you know, there's a point where he's about to send the first order of the vaunted charcuterie plate out, which is literally like cubes of industrial Wisconsin cheddar, <laughs> cheese curds, <laughs> some red grapes. Uh, and then, like, that's not summer sausage. (laughs) That's charcuterie. Yeah. You cut it up, you char it, maybe. But the way it was fancy is he'd added some brie to that plate, too. A little little brie. So he starts cutting up the brie. And also, I want to be clear there's nothing wrong with a a cheese plate with just 
I don't that that plate is fine, but you don't have to you don't have to tell me that it's something that isn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but also it was a really boring cheese plate. Sure, like sure. people were paying for like I want some nice cheese yeah, and yeah, some nice yeah. meats, and like literally it was like a fucking armor summer sausage. <laughs> like it's not like. I don't think you're doing people a favor by no. providing this. Anyway, no, yeah, I'm just saying if you tell me what you're telling, if you tell me the truth about what it is, I, I'm a low rent motherfucker. I'll eat it. But <laughs> yeah, so it cuts the brie and slice. He's like, it doesn't like it doesn't cut like the cheddar. It's it's kind of goopy. So he sort of slaps it onto the plate <laughs> and then looks at the knife and there's all this brie still on it. And he takes his finger. And, like, scoops the brie off, pops it in his mouth, mm. then, without cleaning shit, cuts another slice of brie <sighs> and puts it on the plate no. and, like, repeats. And the bartender and I are just staring at each other like, what is, like, this is in violation of so many codes <laughs> right now. <laughs> and he just went with it and was sending this stuff out. But the really, like, instructive part of this is people liked the food. Like, not right. a lot was sent back. People weren't walking sure. out. Like, sure. for for where we were in Wisconsin, like, 90% of the work was done by all the fucking velour that was all yeah. over the interior <laughs> of that restaurant. And well, like, even class. though we were serving shit out the front of that kitchen, it didn't register with people that, yeah. like, they were having a really basic cream mushroom soup or that they were having, like, a tragedy charcuterie plate. People were happy. People want to go out um, to eat. This is the thing yeah. we've learned this year. <laughs> I bet people are dying to go to that place right now. Yeah. Kidding me? <laughs> well, given given what I know about how he would run uh, his uh, restaurant, like if if that place is open, people, people are, are most dying. assuredly dying to go to that place. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just one of those like it was such a weird day and it was so out of control. Yeah. And that was who this dude was, is he would just like alienate the shit out of people until they like raged out at him and then he would like use that to further his narrative of i can't trust anyone people turn on me for some reason um and yeah it was uh it was a wild night in the restaurant but it was fun uh because it was like it, it was like being a tourist of like high pressure restaurant shit like like being totally slammed in a restaurant and like in the weeds, as it were, yeah. but there were no stakes. Like, who get, who gave a shit if I fucked up? It wasn't actually my job. My job was to like lift kegs into people's trunks. <laughs> Incredible! Thank you, Rob, for this this journey down your history. <laughs> I'm so glad we asked. I'm so glad that we got here. Uh, I love it. I, I have another email That's here. Great. This is from Chris, who has a juicy Lucy update for us. Oh. Um, as a lifelong resident of the Twin Cities, I feel that I need to comment on your discussion of this local food controversy. So, the rivalry between Matt's and 5-8 is absolutely real, but it used to be much lower stakes. Until the early 2000s, burgers stuffed with cheese weren't a Minnesota institution, just this weird thing that two bars on the same street beefed over. However, during the rise of food TV... The Juicy there Lucy was elevated to the burger of Minnesota by shows who needed some local flavor to talk about when visiting. So now every burger place in the area serves them because that's what a Minnesota burger is. Mm -hmm. FYI, while Matt's is still just a single tiny bar with a Budweiser sign on the outside, 5-8 is now a huge sprawling burger monstrosity. 
In addition to expanding their original location, Five Eight has opened se- uh, several secondary locations across the area, which are generally considered lower quality. Take that as you will. Personally, I'm not a big fan of these burgers. They're fine, but often the burger needs to be cooked to medium or even medium well to get the cheese inside sufficiently melted. Temperatures. That's what you were saying. Uh huh. <laughs> if we're gonna eat a large burger, I'd rather have it cooked properly to medium rare and just have a ton of cheese on top than have it overcooked for the privilege of being burned by molten cheese on the first bite. Thank you, Chris. This is that's an important. Sounds like op- Matt's is still the place to be. Then I do, that yeah. too. Like, <laughs> have you ever written an email that puts you more on the side of Matt's? No, the food. It's TV like a twister interview? where there's the good storm chasers and the bad ones. Uh-huh. Like, Matt's is the good one. Matt's like is the Matt's. Good like one. I just love to sling burgers and five eights. Like this is our ticket to the top, baby. Yeah, uh, I got another update here from Joe. Uh, who who describes themselves as, as our friend, your friend Joe, writes in and says, Hello all, I live in Minneapolis and can see Matt's bar from my front yard. I can confirm they're doing pickup orders. I've worn face masks to get my burger fixed in some kind of nega Jimmy Buffett's cheeseburger in the apocalypse type situation. Keep up the good work, and if you're ever in Minneapolis, I'd happily share all the best food places with you and buy you a burger. Hang on. Yeah. So at the risk of inviting more emails about a subject than we care to receive, mm. I, mm. there is a part of this I need to know. Yeah. How are the fries at these places? Because like are burgers are good, but it's like important. Yeah. Because like the thing that moves like a place from like, oh, it's a great burger to like a great experience is like when it's all just like yeah. delicious. Right. When the fries like golden and crisp and like you don't even need the ketchup. Mm, yeah, that's, you love that's it. That's, just, that's it right there. I'm with you. Let's let's get some Matt and Five Eights fry or other sides. Like if 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 you told me, I would prefer to if there's like a good if fries are good. These fries are a great default. I'd be like, oh, they also have great onion rings. And I'm like, okay, well that's the place I go to for a burger and good onion rings. Then that's fine. But you got to let me know ahead of time if that's the situation. This one comes in from Dan, and I have to read this one because I think I've told part of the story before. But this is a hometown story for me. Hey, all. Austin is probably aware of this restaurant fiasco and may have more details than me about it. But as a kid, we used to go to Ocean City, New Jersey with my grandparents most summers. While there, we would usually get Mac and Manko's pizza or, as we called it, the beach pizza. Uh, Well, we stopped going when I was an older teenager in the 90s. And a few years ago, my parents decided to restart the tradition. So we started going in with my kids slash their grandkids. Imagine our surprise when we looked up at Mac and Manko's uh, uh, to order pizza, only to find no sign of it, and instead to find that all of their locations were now Manko and Manko's, though still in the same iconic incandescent light bulb style. Uh, after looking into it, apparently there is a Max pizza down in Wildwood owned by the same Mac family who no longer have any ownership in Manko's and Manko's. I have not been able to find any clear explanation of the split, though apparently the current owner of Manko and Manko did get convicted of tax evasion a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, despite the mystery, the beach pizza uh, of the beach pizza. Pe- sorry, despite the mystery, the beach pizza there is still am- amazing and remains a uniquely different style of pizza than any other I tried. Um, I think it's mostly olive oil. Um, they do a lot of they do a lot with uh, uh, olive oil, and it's it's just I it, this is my favorite pizza in the whole world is Mac and Manco, uh, or I guess now Manco and Manco pizza. Um, I, uh, extremely like, this is my summer pizza. This was like what I grew up on in, in a real way. And, uh, it was always just so, so good. Um, I'm just checking really quick. I don't think that they've, there's no comment, uh, from Manko and Manko as to what happened on Mac, uh, what happened with Mac. I really would love to know. Um, so if anyone does have an answer on that, 
I would I please please send Can it. Can you in. spell it's, that real quick? Mac and Manco? Manco M-A-N-C-O. Mac M-A-C-K. So Mac M-A-C-K and M-A-N-C-O. Um, again, you can find this because uh, you can look up Manco's, uh, I think I think Frank Manco's maybe, uh, uh, tax evasion scandal. Um, uh, it's <laughs> well, very Taxes good. are complicated. It is easy to get yourself in borderline true. trouble this is true. if you're not careful. Like, I am this sure is, this, I am confident that an honest purveyor of pizza uh-huh. could easily find themselves afoul of the law uh, uh-huh. just because you're so all in on making good pizza. That like reporting income accurately. Who has time for that? Yeah, fair. Um, this is a long one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Mm. All right, I'm gonna read this one from Caroline, who writes it. We at least part of it. When I lived in the small town of Brunswick, Maine, there was a donut shop called Frosty's. Everyone loved the donuts. They would be brought to the shipyard, the next town over, or a surprise treat for the high school class. The owners are very old and very Christian. Dolls had neon Jesus signs, digital scrollers with Bible verses, posters, and, pl- and placards. There was no open wall space to speak of. As the owners aged, the shop became less regular. They were, all- they were already the kind of shop that opened at 4 a.m. and might be sold out by 6, but soon they were only open with a, uh, irregularly with no notice. I remember long nights ending in disappointment outside their locked door, the only light from inside, the Bible scrollers. Uh, they were looking to sell since they felt like they couldn't run it anymore. Their son did not take this well and wanted to run it himself. They wanted someone as religious as themselves to run the place, but had difficulty finding someone willing to buy. This was town drama. This was known drama for a couple of years, disseminated through Main Street gossip. Mm, boo. Main Street. Main spelled like the like the state. Uh, <laughs> then, the son, then the son stole the recipes and opened Frosty's 2 down the street <laughs> out of a deli by the high school. There was no oh notice, God. just were open. It was <laughs> wildly successful. <laughs> I do not know what happened between them as I moved away. Uh, but when I went back the la- when I went back last, the original Frosties was open all day, had barren walls, and the donuts were the same. That's such a sad that's such a that the sun just took over the original spot, right? The sun just bought them out or they oh, died. You think- yeah, I think so. Or do you I think, think it sounds like they're just sort of grinding along? Oh yeah, you think it's fine? Mm. <laughs> Is Frosty's two still like hopping? That's, that's the, the question. question. That's the question. You're because totally like right. that's all that's left. Then it was like one of those scorched earth. Like the Civil War left nothing. Yeah, and <laughs> so say- now like <laughs> we could have had an empire, but now we're just slinging good donuts. Yeah, but like the moment is lost. The yeah. institution is lost. We could have had an empire, but you. But all we have is Frosties. Um, the donut has been passed, Caroline continues, in my esteem, by Granny Donuts in St. Paul, Minnesota. We got to go to Minnesota. Yeah, what's up with That's Minnesota? what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, uh, it is run by an old Vietnamese man, his wife, and two generations of kids. The yeast donuts are the fluffiest I've ever had and don't just taste of sweet, don't just t- taste of sweet, but of real flavor. The jelly slash jam donuts have an actual depth to them, not just fruit sweet. And if you do not order enough donuts, he bullies you and sometimes gives you free donuts, which he insists you eat in front of him. <laughs> if you That's try to compliment the donuts for eating them in front of them, he shushes you until you've eaten it and, th- and then tell him how good the donuts are after. He recognizes everyone and still makes him go through the routine. He is very kind outside of the donut bullying and checks in on customers and how they are together and that, and that everyone – make sure that everyone gets to order free donut holes for the kids, etc. Love it. 
Uh, Re Burgers. This is just a great email. I'm going to finish this email. The best greasy burger I've ever had was from a food truck on the park in Brunswick back in Maine. A small truck run by two big brothers, one of whom was a Yankees fan and the other a Red Sox fan. The line stretched down the block from opening till closing, and it was a long block. The game was always on the radio. This is the opening. This is the opening to a Stephen King book, I believe. The best greasy burger I ever had was from a food truck on the park in Brunswick, a small truck run by two big brothers, one of whom was a Yankees fan, the other a Red Sox fan. The line stretched down the block from opening till closing, and it was a long block. The game was always on the radio. Love it. Incredible. Perfect. I know the space. I live here now. <laughs> I, I could tell you about these brothers. Uh, the best burger I ever had, period, was uh, by BK Janney in Bushwick, uh, uh, or Janie in Bushwick, though it seems they've moved to Williamsburg now. The burgers are spiced with zatar and taste delicious, with mm-hmm. excellently cooked fries. But they are the best burgers I've ever had, because every time, without flaw, no matter what kind of spice or topping we asked for, they were cooked perfectly. The exact mix between crispy outside and soft inside, the exact midpoint between underdone and overdone. Their line chefs must be the best burger line chefs in the world. Thank you for the pod comfort time, pod comfort in these times. May you and yours be safe. May we see capitalism fail. Caroline. Capitalism fall or fail. I'm going to, yeah. either one's fine. Yeah. All of the Caroline Except for these email. good, honest entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> Except for these motherfuckers. They get to keep going. <laughs> Um, we need to find those burgers if we ever work. I'm, I'm here on Gold Belly trying to find any of the places that have come up, and because <laughs> I've been curious to try this fucking service out, right? Yeah, uh, but I have sure. no idea if it actually works. Sure. Well, we'll find out. I guess you should you should go through this list of emails and see if you can find any of them and and try something out. So far, it's not good. Like I think it's all too underground. Yeah, but that's why it's good. That's why these places yep. are still yeah. good because they haven't gotten the five eight treatment. <laughs> I would mean, get five eight on there. I can't. Wow, not even 5A. Damn. This one's from John in Louisiana who says, the emailer from last week is getting robbed of ketchup. For people who don't remember, <laughs> an email about someone who only got one uh, spicy ketchup packet when they went through the drive-thru at Whataburger. Yeah. Uh, or to pick up at Whataburger. At Whataburger, the spicy ketchup is elevated to be on the same level as regular ketchup given away by the handful. And my local stores always give plenty of, e- of either upon request. Shit. Also, ketchup packets at Whataburger come in the small sauce kind of tub. Think nugget sauce at McDonald's, not the small foil packets. So that reader is missing out on a lot of ketchup. Their ketchup is popular enough that you can buy Whataburger branded ketchup in bottles and grocery stores around here. Also, a regular Whataburger uh, fits just under the price for a good cheap burger. I think pretty good value for their size. Whataburger is just around t- around Texas and neighboring states, but they just got bought out by an equity firm in Chicago. Oh, so it's either about to vanish or become Chicago's favorite burger, TM. <laughs> Something I'm not sure its local Texas fan base will handle either way. Love the show. Thanks for all the great hours every week, John, in Louisiana. Thank you, John. Good update. Um, there's another email here from Bradley, which I'm going to be honest, I just read all of to the rest of the crew, but it's, it's, I just want to say, Bradley, thanks for sending it in. We I, enjoyed it. We enjoyed it yeah. a great deal. <laughs> uh, I will say this much. It is about, uh, it is about the three way beef between the drip beverage lab, Brewster's coffee co-op and lift coffee bar. Also one of the motherfucking characters in this sounds like if there were anybody who I could somehow see suing vice yes. because some <laughs> yes. like alleged dirty laundry got yes. aired in a letter reading, like one of the characters in this is the sort of person to do it. And like, I would be super bummed if we all lost our jobs because like, <laughs> look at this crazy coffee shop drama. Yes. And like, that is what did it. 
I could believe it 100%. I, I, you know, Nancy would call us into the office. Nancy would call us into a Zoom meeting. And she'd be like, you guys really went after, you really went after Al, huh? You really went after, I'm not going to say his last name. Because I don't want to get in trouble here. There's a million Al's out there. uh, In wherever those coffee places are, presumably. Um, But I'm just saying, if you're interested in Oklahoma coffee beef, it's out there. We have to cut it from the podcast because we didn't (laughs) want to get sued. Uh, but let me tell you, it was good. So, uh, I trust you, Kata, to figure yeah, out how to, yeah, how to fix this. <laughs> I appreciate it. No um, well, Kata, this sounds beyond fixing. Like, unless they bring that Iguana Cafe back, like, ASAP, <laughs> um, I'm not sure. God. I'm not sure what was broken can ever be made whole again. Uh, here's a good one from Mads. Hey, folks, regarding the restaurant rivalry discussion this week. My town, Auckland, in New Zealand, uh, or in a, uh, hmm, I don't know how to pronounce this, which is bad. It's bad that I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, Aotearoa, I think is is maybe right, slash New Zealand, has a famous long-running rivalry, a restaurant rivalry between the Mount Albert Barbecue Noodle House and the Mount Ar- Albert Barbecue Noodle House. Both businesses <laughs> are right next to each other with near-identical menus run by either cousins or brothers who had a disagreement when the original shop lease ended and set up two shops in its place. Because they have different stories about how the situation uh, uh, eventuated, it's impossible to know what the truth is. And at the end of the day, the only substantial difference is the decor and whether you want to buy bubble tea or not. So they're treated interchangeably well, by most locals. Yeah, well, the answer is yes, I want to buy bubble yeah, tea. Yeah, obviously. Uh, obviously. There's been a bit of a media uh, around the Mount, uh, Mount Albert uh, Barbecue Noodle House mystery, so you can learn more here or here. These are links to two different to a YouTube video and a spinoff.co.nz uh, article. Personally, I've always gone to the one on the right because the one on the left has a confusing number of counters to order and collect at. That's, you know, okay. There's a New Zealand Today video about this. Oh, this bubble tea looks good. These places look great. I want some noodles now. I'm just going back to a quick thing about the coffee shop letter, just Uh real quick. Yes. It should have been a tip-off that one of the opening anecdotes in that letter Uh was about a story they decided they could not run in their local paper, in their college paper, because of the liability issues. That is true. We should have at that point ejected from that. (laughs) Yeah. For people who didn't hear the letter, which is everyone on this podcast, this person was going to write a story about them, and the local paper was like, well, this doesn't have to do with the school, even though a lot of students go there, and this is a story about a student who works there. So, you know. Anyway... Hmm. We got two different emails about this this one, and so I'm going to read one of them. This one comes in from Natalie, uh, who says, um, Hey, friends, I'm writing my own local version of the Juicy Lucy debate. In Seattle, there are really only two options for fried chicken. Azel's or Ezel's, probably Azel's, founded in the 80s by Azel Stevens, and Heaven Sent Fried Chicken, founded in the 2000s, by Azel Stevens, after he left or was forced out of Azel's and was sued <laughs> by his former business partner to keep the name. Oh. Azelle's gained a fair amount of notoriety in the 90s when Oprah called it her favorite fried chicken. So I can understand why they were so desperate to keep Azelle's name on it after he left or was forced out. Still, if I had to drive around Seattle and see a bunch of restaurants with my name on them, I'd probably be pretty annoyed too. The chicken is virtually identical between the two chains, but Azelle's has more and better side dishes. This is a topic of much debate in Seattle, however. My opinion is uh, definitive. <laughs> however, my opinion is definitive and also correct. Fun fact, Stevens himself is super Christian, so the uniform at Heaven Sent is a black TV, a black T-shirt with a text, God is good all the time on it, which is kind of a heavy lift for a fried chicken restaurant. P.S. Neither chain does chicken sandwiches, and the closest Popeyes is a goddamn hour away, so what is even the point of any of this? Damn. Sorry. 
I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably it for this one. We still have a bunch in the in the chamber here we could come back to. So I think this will be a recurring thing. Please feel free to keep sending <laughs> these in. Uh, I'm loving it. This I is love great. That emails has just become the food zone. I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> this for, for us. Uh, it's so good. There's um, a lot of Puma Adidas type stuff in the uh-huh. uh, in the restaurant. Uh, you know, lore. It's true. Listen, families are hard. Is the thing. Money's and hard. Money is hard. Passion is hard. Sometimes you want to be the best coffee chain in a small Oklahoma town, <laughs> and also be a raging <laughs> asshole. I don't know who I'm talking about. It couldn't be anyone <laughs> with with litigious impulse. Certainly. <laughs> um. Thank you all for sending for sending uh, uh, all these questions and stories in. Uh, as always, you can send yours into gaming at vice.com. Um, I, I love these. These have brought a lot of joy to me, and there's still more to go. So tune in next week for more of those. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Rob? At Rob Zachney. Cotto. At A underscore Cotto underscore appears. Hello, everything we do, waypoint.vice.com. And I also want to quickly shout out something special that Vice and I believe Motherboard specifically are doing. Well, maybe it's not a Motherboard. I don't know. But I don't know how Vice works anymore. I only come here to do the damn podcasts. It's a Motherboard joint. A mother, I mother thought bird? it was a Motherboard. A Motherboard. Motherboard. <laughs> oh, mother, motherboard can, we get a, can we get a week of, of bird, bird content from Motherboard and call it Motherboard? Ask Jason about it. Jason. Jason, Jason we're, here, we're here they to feed to you have... directly into your mouth the hottest stories in tech and politics. There used to be a bird board that I think was, was started board. by a motherboard in general. So uh-huh. the that, content to me, is that there. That sounds like a Derek thing. Yeah. Shout out to Derek, uh-huh. uh, who is no longer advice, but shout out to Derek. Um, anyway, the thing I'm shouting out is vice.com slash the mail. Like like the mail that shows up at your door, M-A-I-L, T-H-E-M-A-I-L, uh, a pop-up newsletter about the United States Postal Service and the election brought to you by Aaron Gordon of Motherboard. The digital newsletter is free. The paying subscribers will get a printed zine mailed to them each month and bonus posts. You can find that uh, at, again, vice.com slash the mail. Uh, there's also a, a, a drop, I think, at the top of this podcast uh, about a, a another uh, podcast being made in the Vice Network. Uh, I think one of those is going to go in this feed. Is that right? Kata? Yeah, that'll be its own drop on its own. All right. Well, you'll hear me do an intro to that also on that podcast that is called Vent Vent Documentaries. So uh, I guess look forward to that. Um, uh, otherwise, we'll be gone until Monday. We're, we're going to talk more about video games and some other stuff. Shout out to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B O E N. I wish I had more for this weekend. I wish I would, you know, thank you to everyone who, who has, who has suffered through this week of the DNC with us. We don't have time to, to get say, into it. Did y'all catch that? Yeah, we don't, we can't, we that. cannot open. <laughs> we would need a dedicated. No, I, I tu- like I have now tuned this out. Okay. Uh, like I do not need to Wiser see. Wiser than me. Yeah, no, it'll just make me angry because mm-hmm. like the entire convention appears to be like, what if we just like united with people who hate us uh, to defeat Trump and then completely accomplish nothing for four years? I just really want a platform. I really want to focus on really want to focus on like what the, the thing the party should do is if it takes power and not just that it needs power. I think that that is not too uh, much wielding power is so aggressive, though. It's it's mm. divisive. Mm. Um mm. 
Yeah, really, I think we should just look at that deficit and uh, see what's <laughs> see what's good. See what's good. What's good, internet? What's good, deficit? A new podcast by Vice. Uh, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully, in, in better spirits than we've been today. Though I, I will say, my spirits have been raised by all this restaurant beef. Uh, I really appreciate it one more time. I'm so. starving, though. Yeah, yeah like, dude, I'm going to get a burger. I'm going to figure out what's the best get. burger in my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Kata, you should see if that – I mean, you're kind of far from it. But I want you should see if that place that someone noted in Williamsburg – Right. No, I was saying like when whenever the the, the office opens oh. back up. Oh, oh God, I remember those burgers from the food hall. Fuck yes. Oh, those are so good. Oh. Rob, did you ever get to go to that place with us? I can't remember. Oh, I don't think so we took good. Rob there. I think the that mustard. opened up after oh. the last time. Yeah, they had this. So is that oh. so the food hall just... with all the little restaurants, like yeah, the little Defara yeah. outpost, yeah, all yeah, that? Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. I ever had the burger. The burger no, place may have opened after the last time you went. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. It's so fucking amazing. I miss Max. Oh, I miss Max. I miss uh, Les Perior. I walked past there yeah. recently. There, they have outdoor seating. They have outdoor oh, seating nice. going. I'm not ready for it yet. I think by next next month, if things haven't blown up because of school, like. You know, school increasing rates of right. of COVID. I think I'll finally be ready to do an outdoor seating meal. We'll see. That's a I'll, problem I'm with something like yeah, that's like a, a coffee with, in the park situation. Well, yeah. Last opinion no, we, though is that it it doesn't travel well. That sort of thing. That's the, that's exactly the thing right. you have like, to you eat have there. To eat I don't want to. Yeah, totally. We uh, we we've been able to enjoy like morning coffees out after yeah. taking the dog uh, to daycare, uh, which has been nice. Like, but even then, I'm still sitting there like outdoors and i'm like i feel a little weird and a little, a little like weird. antsy mm. like i'm yeah. sitting here enjoying it but also like i am definitely like low-key antsy maybe i um, do maybe yeah. I, I start with a coffee shop there's a coffee shop near here that has outdoor seating and i go with a mask and i just chill with the mask maybe i do some work there i better get more done doing that than i did all week elsewhere <laughs> in my own apartment <laughs> So the thing is, like, we set up basically like uh, we got a bench for our dining room table, like a little corner mm, corner booth yeah. seating, and uh, that's cute. It's coffee. It's coffee shop vibes now. Like oh, I brought the great. coffee shop here, Fuck, I and like my productivity now. is through the roof. I need it because <laughs> I can just corner up. I've I started needing to up. do. Oh, I started needing to do different type of work in the last like month or so, and I it's killing me. I'm like my productivity level is so bad. Uh, it's on top of like travel and some other shit and like needing to do other types of work on top of it. But I'm I'm it's it's hitting me in a bad way. It really a lot of people is. moving out of my building. Like you, you asking to me to move in? Come through. The cafe, rents are cheap. The space is plentiful. God, <laughs> you could you could come by uh, Rob oh. Zachney's cafe, uh, Gravitas and Barband. Yeah, that Alt, sounds uh, fantastic. Cuisine de Zachney. Until we have a falling out, and I build a duplicate cafe in my apartment with different decor. I, I catch like Kato and Natalie and Patrick in, like in the elevator, and like what oh. the fuck? I love this episode of our TV uh, show. It's fantastic. Yeah, you're all the way up on the fourth floor. I I could just make it here. Anyway, also you know my coffee would be worse. It's just the truth of the situation. I know what it is. But, but there'd be a lot of it. That's the thing. Like you would yes. just have pots of coffee. Pots of pots of yes. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> like, you come to my place and it's like, I will offer. Do you want coffee? And you're, then twenty minutes later, I'll you're be the like, donut ah, bully. The you're going to be like, finished. so how is it? Don't no. Don't tell me it's good before you drink. Before you Did add you a just stick. put sugar in that. 
<laughs> oh my god, I would. Oh, Kato, I would not be happy about that at all. I would not be. Oh, Look, I, I love it. I love it. Sometimes Wait, if being... I knew if I knew you wanted sugar, I would have brought the demerara out. Right. <laughs> god, why don't you just drink the milk for Christ's sake? Just straight from the carton. That's what you're doing, basically. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I thought you wanted coffee. Uh, if I'd known what you really wanted, I'd just give you a shitty coffee ice cream. That seems God. to be more your speed. That seems. <laughs> <laughs> I can melt it for you. Would that make it better? God. God. All right, we're gonna end this podcast now. now Hang on, how am I the coffee oh, bad guy? Because Patrick, <laughs> of all of us, is the only one we know of uh-huh. who has told a loved one just to dump that shit down the sink. Oh, like, that did oh. happen. I've never yeah. done that. I've never yeah. done that. There's even, can I tell you the worst coffee story ever? I love my mom. I love my mom to death. For, okay, so for years, we were, the way, so my parents are divorced, uh, and both of them are remarried happily, and well, okay, mm, it's a little complicated, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> life happens. I love all of my parents. I have four parents. I love them all. I'm glad they're all in my, li- my, my life, et cetera. But the way that the Christmas worked out was I would do Christmas morning with my dad, but Christmas Eve with my mom and my stepdad uh, and like friends of the family and stuff. And one year, um, you know, my mom made it a big deal. My mom, my, both my mom and my dad are both big like holiday spirit people. They love mm-hmm. to feel like family is around, friends are around. They want to host events. They want people to be around. They have like that. They believe deeply in making the entire home feel like that TV channel where there's a fire log on. That's the, the wel- welcoming spirit that they <laughs> exude. Um, or like a fireplace, I guess I could have said. Um, and my mom, you know, makes a big roast on, on Christmas Eve, a bunch of cookies. I think there may have been a cake this year, um, etc. And one year, she's like, and we got a new we got a new percolator. We're a percolator percolator family, which is like a very particular type bold of coffee. Move. But it is, it is a bold move. But let me tell you, what it basically does is it gives you a, a baseline for coffee where mm. you can just drink any coffee. I my coffee resistance yeah. is through the fucking roof because I was raised <laughs> on percolated coffee. Um, which if you don't know what that means, go look up what a percolator is. But like it, it is not a it is not let's say what you think of as like high class coffee preparation because of the way the water gets reused. Um, but I quite like the taste of percolated it's quite coffee. Quite strong. It's and very like there's strong. Something like uh, so when we would go to um, like like Michigan and like yeah. uh, have vacations there, like the cabin. This is exactly uh, the vibe. That, yeah, had the had the percolator, and yep. like it is a particular type of coffee. It'll but in my in head always means family and yes. relaxation and like early mornings and yes. like it will wake you the fuck up. That is exactly the vibe. And that is the vibe in the house. So, so makes this, you know, new percolator. And it was like a new old percolator, if I'm remembering right, like, like a vintage model that was like the best kind, the best, of course, the best kind. Exactly. Right. And, uh, poured, you know, came out with a cups of coffee, finished the meal. The meal was delicious. My mom's a great cook and, uh, came out with the coffee, uh, she made it the way everyone liked it. Like, so she'd already put sugar in for people who wanted sugar. She already put in milk or cream. You know what I mean? She'd like, she'd, she'd read the room. She knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Go to take my sip of coffee. And like, oh, there's a little something. Is, something. is there something wrong with the percolator? What's going And someone else said, oh, there's like a weird taste here. Love my mom. Again, I'm going to underscore this. Love my mom to death. She had in her holiday haste, she had, you know, oh. there's a lot of cooking. 
There's a lot of to do. She had by mistake put salt in instead of sugar. And so we were all drinking salted coffee. Mm-hmm. Like heavily uh, salted. Like heavily. Not not like, oh, there's a, hmm, what pinch. is that? What is a little pinch? pinch? No, like two teaspoons of salt <laughs> in some of these coffees. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I have made a similar mistake making cookies. Uh, I had a... I had a giant jar of granulated sugar and a yeah. giant jar of uh, table salt. And one day I was not being mindful and got to the point where I was like, you know, I was excited about that cookie dough. Uh-huh. You know, I was like, oh, mm, I know you are. This well, is yeah. be good. <laughs> and it was that Toll House recipe, which is like oh. 75% sugar and just enough fat and flour to hold it together. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, man, here's my here's my cookie dough. And like <sighs> just one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. The the real worst version of this ever for me was when I went to a diner in, in Summers Point, New Jersey and ordered a French dip. I may have told this story on this podcast before. And a French dip, of course, is like a, kind of like a roast beef sandwich with au jus to dip it into, kind of like a you know a beef gravy type thing. Um, uh, and they didn't produce the au jus instead. And I didn't realize this until I took my first bite. What they'd given me was a little bowl of um, maple syrup. Uh, and so I took that first big bite of this this kind of roast beef sandwich. And a super sweet, syrupy sauce covering it. Uh, and then I asked the waitress, I was like, is this, did you, and she was like, no. She just like brushed what? off my, I was like. Wait, what do you mean no? With, like, no what? I, she was like, it's supposed to come with au jus. And she was like, it's supposed to come, with, this is right, basically. She was like, I've served this correctly. I was like, well, can I get an au jus on the side? And here's the fucked up thing. She brought it, but in the time between bringing it and me asking for it, I ate, ate two it. more bites of the of the maple syrup. I'm like, this is kind of good. Yeah. yeah, that's the yeah, that's the that thing. Is, is like maple good. syrup, like can dra- like it's sort of like before you have fried chicken and waffles, you're right. like that doesn't seem like it would work. You're right, and then yes. you have it and you order it at every place you go to from that <laughs> yeah. point forward, where you're like, <laughs> oh, is this on the menu? We're doing this. Hell yeah. The thing that I the only thing I can think of is that she thought a French dip was like. A French, French toast, toast. <laughs> like that's what you serve it with, yep. or something. Yep. But I don't know. I don't know how you arrive there. But it was good. Uh, I did. I did end up eating the second half of it with the au jus. There's like a you know you cut it down the middle basically. And anyway, roast beef sandwich is the one thing I can't get with because uh, I'm too fastidious and like the whole mm. like the soggy bun and like the juices oh, just dripping everywhere. It. I'm like, oh, this is a nightmare. Uh, I can see I need, that for you. I need more napkins. Fuck. I am also little, that person, God, but I, I just get, get more napkins. I'm also that I don't like a me- I don't like a I don't like my food touching unless it's like really meant to do that. And I don't like I like constantly am cleaning my face while I'm eating. I don't like having any of my so we're both looking. like wash bears basically. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I definitely will do the like. I could put this all in one plate, but what would be better is like a saucer for this side. Yes, totally. A small plate for this side and yeah. the entree on the main plate. That would be fantastic. Unless, again, it's explicitly a thing where I want there to be a co-mingling, but that's, a, that's, not, that's not every dish. You know what no. I mean? I'm not. Yeah. Anyway. One of the Just most. My whole uh, plate together. One of the things that I realized was really holding me back when I was learning to cook is a lot of recipes are like, and then you make it all in one vessel. <laughs> uh, you put it in the yes. skillet and you bring yeah. it all together or like you roast it all together. Yeah. And a lot of times right. those recipes are a million times better. 
yes. when they're all roasted separately or like cooked separately mm. and then brought huh. together. Like I so, might disagree. For instance, yeah. What's your what's your what's your for instance? Like the breakfast skillet. Like there's nothing. Yeah, I like no, more. you're totally right. Actually, on yeah, that one, you can't fry it all up together in a skillet. Like the th- the play is to do the potatoes separately and roast like those up the, separately. Yeah, I like to do the potatoes separately. A hundred percent. This. You, otherwise, you can't control the moisture that's being released by the yeah. different foods, and like it all gets. Maybe fucked we're just up not good enough. You at don't this, do it at exactly. the same time. You do it in stages. You do it and in then stages, you, but then you have to be really good, and you have to know exactly. <laughs> and there's still like a lot of variability. That's true, like, that's true. yeah, the pepper you put in there might just like have more water in it, and then you're like. Okay, right. well, now things oh, are getting soggy. This is not, yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 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 totally. We went, uh, sometimes I, sometimes people are like, ha, 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 Austin said the podcast was wrapping up, but there's 20 minutes left. I'm like, no, there <laughs> isn't. That's all pre-podcast material. We wrapped up immediately, and then Kata put the 20 minutes of the pre-pod afterwards. <laughs> I knew what the fuck I was doing. This time, I'll say I also knew uh, what the fuck I was doing, and that was extending this podcast for necessary reasons. <laughs> We're talking about breakfast. We're talking about yeah. breakfast. We are here talking about Good like shit. home cafes and breakfast. Important stuff. Real shit. That's real shit. You were talking about the DNC? No. We're talking no. about real shit. Breakfast skillets, motherfucker. You heard of them? Because I want one now. That would be nice. Thank you. All right, we're going to wrap this up. As always, dream of the world in which you can make your own perfect bref- breakfast skillet without needing to... Did you to- almost say Brefix? Your bref- Brefix skillet. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh, Brefix. Perfect. Uh, Brefix is definitely the name of some sort of quaint... No, actually, Brefix feels so chemically to me that if there was like some sort of breakfast food mega mart called Brefix, I would I would imagine that would, that would work. For anyway. me, it goes to a pill that makes your... Uh, mm. Mouth smell, your breath, breath smell fix. like your breakfast. It's like a breath fix. Yeah, nasty. <laughs> Get your breath fixed with breath fix. Ooh, what's that? Is that a is that a Chris sandwich? Ooh. Did you mm. did, did you have Burger King this morning? Mm. Mm, smells great. <laughs> so you're saying that this is a pill that would make your breath smell like breakfast foods? Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know it. why, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I guess you just need the. People have the smell, the taste, taste the, the, the leftover taste. Mm, I love it. <laughs> Maybe this is this is like you're pretending this. to be a salt of the earth type. That's the right. right. Oh, it's it's like right. so you're Whew. campaigning in New Hampshire, yeah. you and have, you're like, you yes, a, I am a man of the people. You had like a, <laughs> I just, a fucking oh, man, I just came from yeah. But instead, you take this pill, so you, you have that on your breath. So people think you've eaten a big hearty yeah. breakfast skillet from, from whatever the local. The local, like, uh, famous breakfast places, but they know you didn't go. But you're a powerful politician. And what are they going to do? Confront you and say, you didn't actually come here. All this in my follow-up to the classic (laughs) book, All the King's Men, All the King's Men Jr. It's a political political scandal, unlike none you've ever heard. Um, people know I've, I've gone off to do some writing uh, on the side. No one knew that this is what I was working on. Uh, I'm doing it opens on a long description of like 50 <laughs> miles outside Mobile. And on, after a long strip of blacktop, there's a cafe standing by the road. And every once in a while, a car pulls into that cafe and someone runs in there for breakfast food. And the people working in the fields nearby say, damn, he's getting breakfast. Well. Oh, God. The game was always on the radio. <laughs> But, God. All right, we're going to wrap it up for real now. I hope everyone has a good weekend. As always, fuck capitalism. Go home.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I wonder if Ooh. this little belly stuff works, though. That's you should thing. try it. You should try I'm it. And let it. me know because uh, you are – I was just telling someone this. Oh, I was like, Rob is, Rob is someone who understands the finer things in life. And uh, I feel like you have to be our our guinea pig for for gold belly. The finest uh, low rent things. That's the thing. Th- that is, is the thing, like, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm not coming to you for caviar recommendations. No, that's not that's not who you are. But like, hey, it's three in the morning. Where are we going to get breakfast? Mm-hmm. Though actually, I would trust you more with that because you're a night owl. I'm a night owl. Yeah. Well, and now the problem is now the answer is all of my places have closed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you can do this by by region, huh? Huh. That's what's interesting. Yeah. So I can click on the northeast and probably find you things that I love. That yeah. Way. So I'm looking at like the thing that I'm thinking about is like I can't get a decent uh, che- Philly cheesesteak sandwich right, up here. Right. Right. And also, it'd be the really good test of the service because, like, in my head, yeah. there's no way you can get a cheesesteak shipped no to me here in Northern Mass. And like that's going to be a good experience. Damn, but what if Tafara on here? You should get this. You should try to get this Tafara, and see if yeah. that's any good. Yeah, I'm looking at this How place now. How does this work? How does this I work? Know. I don't know. I suspect it's uh, you pay a lot. And the other thing is, you could go right to certain places, right? Like uh, uh, the the famous. Uh, sub shop in in atlantic city which is where my stepdad works is the white house sub shop um the only white house that i have respect for uh <laughs> it, which is like a fantastic jersey you know like sub sandwich place um uh, and they also do they just do a bunch of different stuff and you can you can straight up just order from from forever away you know, like across the country uh and get a white house sub um so i i but is great it meat any fantastic. good Oh wait, actually they are on Goldbelly. That system is through Goldbelly. No shit. Wow, holy shit. Yeah, you should get you should you need to order a sub that my stepdad made you. Yes. Yes. That's just a I should have put that on the big one. One second. How Please. does that... uh, they're expensive, is what I was also they seem to be sold out currently. I don't know how often they I'm not even talking about up. expense. I'm talking about literally like how does that travel? Uh, it has to be like it has to be like dry ice, right? It yeah, has to be like dry ice. And, and this is real this question. is cold subs, so like whatever. That's not. Yeah, that, I that mean maybe a, the brand is a little salty. That's got to be separate, right? A like cheesesteak has put... to be right. Like, like, what how, do we do though? Like, there's you can order pizza here. I was like, how the fuck is a pizza going to get across the fucking country? They have to have a. There has to be a description. Pizza's here a solved problem. Like you, you flat pack it. You do delicate shipping, mm. uh, and then you do dry ice. Like you just reheat it. You reheat it. This is a reheat situation, right? Yeah. It doesn't Um, arrive warm. You're giving it ready to be. Yeah, no. No, it can't. There's no way. There's no way. Okay, that makes more sense. Like Iron Man 1, where (laughs) your friend like shows up from New York on the private jet and it's like, I just flew this here for you. I bet that service also exists, but it's not a website. Right. Or maybe there's a maybe there's a website front, but that website just has a phone number on it you have to call. And then 
you awesome. basically you drop some recommendations in here in and this. like we're, uh, <laughs> no, we're gonna like, go I'm through gonna, i will oh experiment God. i will yeah experiment. i think this is a good experiment I'll, I'll start looking through my regions the regions that i know uh and and finding stuff Ooh, prince street pizza son of a bitch so okay oh, now no. we're fucking talking oh, all right no. i'm gonna end this and then I'll okay but no oh, holy shit what's uh, up what'd you find two prince street pizzas the the whole pies yeah 125 dollars <sighs> Yikes! Though I'm actually now that I think of it, the full pie, I think that might not be that's that. Like mm. that might not be that insanely different. Uh, from you what can they get charge. you can get a Pat's uh, uh, Philly cheesesteak here, and that's probably it's, if you went with Pat's, you're fine. Like the, the, there's some debate obviously over yeah. what the best Philly cheesesteak is, but the Pat's King of Steaks is. is well, I'm gonna have fine. to. I, I just try need it. To get rolls delivered up here because that's the other thing is like Massachusetts. You could make does your not, own not the roll. Right, you could do your own cheesesteak for sure. Yeah. But the question there very much is, can you do that with with uh, without a good roll? And the answer is no. You need a good roll. Yeah. Well, it's two in the afternoon. I think we nailed it. Yeah. Um, That's a podcast. Yeah. Can't wait to put this on my time code. uh, It's like, (laughs) it was an hour of breakfast talk. It was. It was just the thing. It was. People love it. This is this is people are going to love this podcast. That's what I think anyway. 100%. All right. If you have recommendations for local food that we can order on the internet, you let us know. I'm going to go eat lunch. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. Oh, the button broke. I can't goose anymore. Thank God. (laughs) I love that they just retconned, like, okay, so the first game, Fake Holland was invaded by this empire. Cool. Gotcha. Next game that all of you are going to play... Fake Holland is leading an invasion yeah. of fake uh-huh. Soviet Union, and like teeny little Holland, it can do Barbarossa. Don't uh-huh. worry about it. Mm-hmm. They're the, they're the best at it. Yeah. Mm. Those games. Look at these work. little Dutch nerds breach the Siegval <laughs> line. You were there too. <laughs> um. All right. What's good, Internet? It's Wait. Friday, August. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't whoa. clap. Whoa. Yeah, we, didn't. we didn't clap. That's where my brain is today. Whoa. <sighs> a lot Study of the past if you would define the future. Uh, damn, Confucius has my ass. <laughs> Comma, Austin, go to time.is. That's what he said. God. Uh, 55. I need that extra time today. All right. I thought you were just going to make us do it during the pod, just like make it a segment. Oh, that would have been fun. That would be good. An embedded clap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's, that's good. All right. I'm very excited to get to these emails at the end of the podcast. We just get there quick. All right. <laughs>